The wait is over. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. Open seven days a week starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern Cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonia's Catering Specials. Open now. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Franchise players. Welcome back. Sports Channel 8's Ben Swain. How you doing, man? I love that you guys are doing what you're doing. I love that we're doing what our what we're doing because the local sports fan is really underserved in uh, in, in sports radio here in, in North Carolina. Being able to Monday morning after the New Carolina game, being able to listen to local guys talk about the local game. Franchise plays every Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and at 6 p.m. on WCOG 1320 a.m. and WTOB 988. This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras Arena football team, the 2018 National Arena League champions. Join us for our fourth year in the snake pit at the Greensboro Coliseum. Be a part of the Carolina Cobras tailgating group before every home game starting April 30th. Season tickets are now on sale for as low as two for $128. You can reach the ticket office at 336-455-7232 or at carolinacobras.com. Fear the fame. You are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Like to have everybody's attention for a moment. There's a stat. I don't like bringing up stats, but there's one stat about the Panthers. In the world is James Harden better scorer than Michael Jordan? No, he's a more creative in that. He, Traveling he, is not creative, he Brandon. Does, he does. You know, no matter what the score is, and they've said it themselves, whether they're up 10, down 10, down 20, whatever, they know they can turn it on whenever. Why did you have to bring up the Cowboys? Right. Last conversation? <laughs> Lived in Texas for two years and just could not stand to watch Cowboys fly. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, listen up, listen up. Welcome to The Rundown. Here's Desmond Johnson. What's going on, Triad? It is The Rundown. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, here with you every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. live on WWVG 1470 AM, and of course on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for Triad Sports. Hour one, the, the OG panel, Hot Rod Thunderbird, Brandon Blakeney in the house from North Dakota, and Jalen Gilkey from WFMY News, too. What's going on, fellas? It's Super Bowl weekend. Uh, it's it's Today is Dre Day on the rundown since they are doing the halftime show. Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Mary J. Blige. Every bump I play today during the rundown will be a Dr. Dre beat. I, didn't even, I completely forgot the theme song is a Dr. Dre beat. I completely forgot about it when I first paid it out uh, a while ago. So it's Dre Day. Everybody's celebrating. What's going on, fellas? How are y'all doing this weekend? Hey, we hanging in there, baby. We were one day away from the Super Bowl. Let's make it happen. This Super Bowl's going to be strange. This Super Bowl's going to be strange. It's going to be a good one. Bro, T.O., you ready? 
<laughs> we got Man. Super Bowl preview. Hey, shout out Snoop Dogg too. Just 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 acquired Death Row Records. I, I got the shirt on. Snoop I mean, rebought Death, Death Row, Row this weekend. I'm rocking the Death Row sw- uh, shirt today. Yeah, yeah, I just hope Snoop t- stays out of trouble. He's got some allegations that are up on him. Hopefully those saw allegations that. are false. Right before but, the Super Bowl, too. Yeah, so. man, that's crazy. But hopefully this weekend will be a good one. Super Bowl weekend, of course. It's Valentine's Day weekend, so I know y'all got big plans, big dates, all that good stuff. If not, you got a little bit of time to get hey, planned to take care of. <laughs> I got to talk about time. We had the last seven seconds on the shot clock. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, it's time for our weekly hey, check-in with Bernie. Brother, what's the temperature like today, my brother? y'all. I'm telling y'all, man. I'm going to cover this this polar fest on Sunday. It's gonna be negative 15 out there. It's so cold. They building castles out of ice cubes, man. It's different out here. About 40 mile per hour winds. It's I'm talking about. You got a power walk through them in there, walking like Derrick Henry, powering through it. So it's, it's crazy out here, man. Man, so yeah, that I bet that wind makes it feel even colder. That wind chill cutting through just like oh yeah, the I'm negative. You, man, wind. you gotta get stay stay low with it. It's gonna blow you over. <laughs> Yo, well, we got Brandon. What, what's the coldest temp you've seen since you've been there, bro? Negative thirty six. Negative thirty six. Yeah, with the wind chill. You'd be scared your car not gonna start. <laughs> <laughs> car said, Mm-mm, not today. We'll stay right here. Oh, Yo, yeah, we, got a, we got a loaded show today. Super Bowl 56 preview Rams versus the Bengals. Uh, we're gonna talk about that right here in just a second. Uh, huge trades in the NBA. James Harden is James Harden overrated. I'm gonna bring that to the panel. Um, plus today's NBA stars in general. We're gonna open it up because I'm I'm seeing a whole lot of movement. When you think of the top 10 players in today's current NBA, all of them, it feels like I've played for more than one team. And it's like it's ushered in this this different era than what I grew up in in the 90s and early 2000s, where guys pretty much stayed where they were for the most part. So we're going to talk about if that's uh, good or bad for the league. Um, Malik Willis, uh, the quarterback from Liberty, is starting to shoot up draft boards and he's starting to get attached to the Carolina Panthers. who have the sixth pick in the NFL draft. We'll talk about Malik a little bit. He's got an attachment to Cam Newton. Um, we'll see if the, if the Panthers should take a swing on him a little bit later on in the show. Uh, award-winning author, columnist, uh, lecturer, radio show host, uh, David Glenn will be on with this year to talk ACC hoops. Um, we got Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated and Sam Drackler from the Believe in Hornets podcast to talk about the Hornets and the trade that they made to bring home Montrez Harrell, uh, an undersized six, seven center back to Charlotte. Charlotte seemed to really appreciate that because they dumped 141 points on, on Detroit last night. Uh, and finally snapped a losing streak. And then uh, finally, Sam Mills, we we'll call him a Hall of Famer, uh, getting into the Hall of Fame. We'll talk about the Hall of Fame class later on in the uh, the show with Larry Frank and uh, Skylar Callahan. Let's get into Super Bowl here. Uh, a lot to talk about. I feel like I've been more preoccupied with the halftime show than the actual game itself because I, I'm not a fan of the Rams or the Bengals, and I'm trying to figure out who I want to root for. And usually when that happens in a Super Bowl for me, by the time I get to about halftime, I've just started naturally rooting for one of the two. I'll ask the question like this. Which one of these two should I nat- do you think I will naturally start to root for by the time we get to halftime of this game? Because I have no attachment to either one of these teams, Rams or Bengals. Like, the Bengals got all them Carolina boys on it, man. I think oh, that's true. kind of drawn to him. There's a lot of Greensboro uh, triad high school kids that are oh, playing on the Bengals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Akeem, I know DJ Reader. Yeah, we got DJ Reader, Akeem Davis there. We got Larry Ogunjobi, 
and we got Jermaine Pratt. Oh, that's right. Time. Yeah, he caught the pick against Oakland Raiders to seal the game and uh, win the first Bengals playoff game in 31 years. There's something about the Bengals that just kind of – I feel like – They have fresh face, man. They have fresh face. That's what it is. This is what I'm afraid is going to happen to the Bengals. They're going to get Miami Dolphin. They're going to get Dan Marino. You know what I mean? Like, they got there so quick because Dan Marino got there in his second year and never sniffed it again. And I feel like that's going to end up happening to Joe Burrow and these Bengals because it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the idea that the Bengals can be good for a year or two. Yeah, organization. The the owner's still the same. It's still uh, the same owner or whatever. They still don't have an indoor practice facility. They still – Got to walk across the uh, walk across a main street to get from the locker room to their practice field. Yeah, that until the owner sense. sells or something. Uh, I mean, Joe Burrow. I'll give him credit. He has changed the the culture of the Cincinnati Bengals. Where now you kind of look at them like I mean, the last time really they were like this, Rod. You probably remember back in the late eighties when they had like Icky Woods and um, Carson Palmer. Well, well, he no, was no, Boomer Sison. Yeah, Boomer Sison. Yeah, Boomer Sison. Uh, the, the one that lost to the 49ers uh, in the 89 Super Bowl. Um, they let uh, uh, Joe Montana go down the field in like two minutes, hit John Taylor with for the touchdown. Uh, that was the last time Cincinnati was actually pretty good. I mean, they had been good through most of the, the 80s because they were in their early 80s against the 49ers in the Super Bowl, too, uh, and Joe yeah. Montana. But I mean, Paul Palmer, Chad Ocho, they had a good team back then. They just didn't win nothing, but they was fun to watch. They was competitive. But like Joe said, these ain't the Ingl- these ain't the Bengals that you used to right now. It's a different breed. So, what do you think um, in terms of this matchup? Because all I keep hearing all week is about uh, <clears throat> how Joe Burrow's going to die because of the the Rams' defensive front. And I'm like, well, he got sacked nine times in the Titans game, and he still won that game. Do you yeah, think that the the defensive pressure from the Rams is going to be that much more effective than what the Titans did? Because I mean, you can't I mean, you can't sack Titans- him nine times. I mean, the well, Titans so. defense was a middle of the pack defense all year long. Wait, I mean, so and they got their they got their eight nine, times, nine, nine <laughs> sacks, like not nine pressures, nine sacks. So, like, could you only we can only imagine what Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and Von Miller will be able to do with that pressure Ooh. up front? You don't want to take nine hits from it. You don't want to take nine hits from uh Aaron, Aaron or um Aaron Aaron you don't want to see Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Donald nine times yeah. at all. Mm-mm, no, nah. no. <laughs> uh, Rod, what are your thoughts? You who you think uh, is going to have the advantage here, the the Joe Burrow or the Rams defensive front? Because I feel like we just saw this last year in the Super Bowl where Tampa just had an overwhelming defensive front, and Kansas City came in. They had weapons on the outside, but they couldn't they couldn't guard anybody. It kind of relegated Pat Mahomes to running for his life for most of the night, which we had not really seen up to that point. Do you think it might be something? Similar to last year, or do you think maybe since he's got something up their sleeve? Well, I hope since he has something up their sleeve, man, because you talk about a defensive front that's great. Aaron Donald, Floyd, Big GG, Greg Garner, and um, shoot, you also got Von Miller coming off the end. I mean, hell of a defensive front. So if the Cincinnati Bengals have a coach who can really coach, offensive coordinator who can coach, I hope he's running those quick crossing routes. Uh, for Joe Burrow to throw that way he can get the ball out of his hands quick allow his speedy receivers with athleticism to do what they need to do after they get the ball that's going to be the key to preserving Joe Burrow in this game so if the Bengals have a plan where they can do that um, I think you'll have a defensive line in the LA Rams that will be very frustrated but if they have not altered their game plan based upon this defensive front to make sure that the ball is out of Joe Burrow's hands very quickly then you're talking about 
a L.A. Rams defensive front that's going to feast on Joe Burrow and nine plus sacks could be coming. And that's something that can really frustrate a quarterback in the Super Bowl, whether it's Joe Burrow or anybody else. So it just depends on that plan that the Bengals have on their offense, Des. And real quick, fellas, I mean, if you think about the last two plays of the game against San Francisco, it was Von Miller with the sack on second down. And it was Aaron Donald forcing the pressure that had Jimmy Garoppolo throwing no little passes that ended up getting picked and still in the game. So yep. I feel like that could be the storyline that uh, that leads to how this thing plays out tomorrow. It's like logic. When you look at them on paper, logic tells you Cincinnati probably shouldn't be here. Like they just somehow they just caught. I mean, they really shouldn't be here. Like literally, it should be Kansas City, to be honest. Uh, I feel bad. Shout out to our boy Aaron Gabriel, who uh, had been on a year hiatus from the rundown. We finally uh, back up. On, as soon as we get them on the Chiefs lose again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, listen, uh, hey, Gabriel, Aaron Gabriel is what I call a true musician. That dude knows how to disappear. I'm telling you. Couldn't even get a hold of him since the since not only last year when the Chiefs lost, but when the Chiefs lost a couple weeks ago. Still just, can't get a hold of him. That dude is a disappearing genius. Dude, I literally, I texted him and was just like, hey, man, what's going on? He was like, dude, I was just thinking about the rundown. I was like, cool, I was going to invite you on because, you know, it's it's conference championship weekend or whatever. So he comes on, and uh, it was the week that Brandon had to miss because of work. And uh, I, in the back of my head, I was like, if they lose, he's not going to want to come back on here again until, <laughs> until the season starts. So I haven't even <laughs> asked him to come back because I knew he was going to be like, nah, man, I'm busy. I can't do that no more. So – um it probably should have been chiefs rams i think everyone's kind of looking forward to something like that but that was their fault they they let joe shiesty and them back in the game and see i'll and that's, tell you man that's I'm the argument you. against the whole change in the overtime rules because everyone's always like oh well the other team should touch the ball well this time the other team did touch the ball and they touched the ball because they stopped the offense in the mm -hmm. first place which is what you're supposed to do and so you can't really say that the that they're not supposed to be here i guess I guess maybe I should say that no one expected them to be here. There you go. You keep saying not supposed to be there. And I said, but look where we at. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. There's, there's teams that ain't supposed to be there pretty much every year to get there. So, which is the beauty of that show, you know? I'm excited to see that Jalen Ramsey and Jamar Chase matchup, though, fellas. That, that's going to yeah. be nice. That's yeah. going to be a good matchup. I, I just, who you guys uh, lean towards for MVP? I think it's, like it's going to be somebody. It's going to be like a sleeper, somebody nobody's really expecting. So I'm gonna go yeah. with Aaron Donald has like the fourth highest odds. He's a defensive yeah. tackle. Like as a he's the best. He's the best player. He's the best player in the game. So like that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He might be the best player in the league. Like exactly. I, when I was watching them. Uh, that Rams uh, NFC Championship game against the 49ers. It was a stretch there where they just they didn't know what to do with him. <laughs> like it's just like, like throwing their hands up. Like what are we supposed to do about this guy? Um, he's something but, special for real, and he just won somebody unexpected. So would, yeah, so I would say I'm gonna go with either Joe Mixon or mm. maybe uh, running back, not Acres. If I but I'm gonna pick somebody from uh, I think it might be like OBJ from the Rams. That's those my two kind of two players I was thinking too. I think that, Joe that, Mixon my two gonna picks. be big. If yeah. you're if you're Odell Beckham Jr. and the Rams win, do you stick around in LA? It depends. Uh, it just depends on OB, OBJ has a house that he bought when he was still in Cleveland out in L.A. So <laughs> he had residence in L.A. <laughs> before he even got to L.A. This dude ain't going nowhere. It, listen, he loves 
having, you know, uh, what, 35 to the, the, the 40% of the balls being thrown to him, and that still equates to at least 9 to 12 balls a game. Uh, no pressure like it is to be a number one wide receiver. And he's still a number one wide receiver, maybe mm-hmm. just not on this team because you can't name 32 other wide receivers that are better than him. If you That's name true. 32 other wide receivers, then he becomes a number two wide receiver. He just happens to be on the team where he's chosen – to be the second man wide receiver. I'll tell you this right now. And, we ain't got one makes, better than him, so there you go. And, and he <laughs> makes and he makes decisions <laughs> and he move. makes catches in clutch. Y'all saw the fourth down catches he caught yeah. during this playoff run. Yeah. Y'all saw the third down conversions he made during this playoff run. The dude is big time. He's showtime. That's why he's in L.A., yeah. so he goes nowhere. I'm going to apologize to Odell Beckham Jr. because I, I was starting to doubt yep. him. because I, I was one of them. I was one of them because I was like, if you really think but about it, but I love it, your self awareness. The only thing he did that one handed catch behind him, his head against the Cowboys, that was the one thing he was known for. He had the blinders on, man. And ever since, but look at ever since then, he's playing with Eli Manning, bro, in Baker Mayfield. Like, come on, man, there's oh, not ooh. much out there. With the tape Odell Senior put out, we so seen the field. After I watched that Minnesota game at the beginning of this year, when Cleveland went to Minnesota and they won uh, thirteen ten or something like that. And Baker Mayfield missed him for two wide open touchdowns. They should have won that game 35 10 or whatever. That game, I was like, it's a feel like Baker is the problem. Odell is not the problem. He's wide open. I'm like, he, the whole game, he was just streaking wide open. I don't want to talk bad about Baker Mayfield because I feel like down the road. There you go with that. Man. And I'm just like, I, I don't want to. Sober Johnny Manziel, man. He's a sober Johnny Manziel. <laughs> He's a sober That's Johnny it. Manziel. He's going to be our quarterback next year, Des, and you're going to throw up. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to say nothing bad about him because I'm afraid he'll end up being here. Like, yeah. if I if I mention anything about him, it'll be like, breaking news, Baker Mayfield's coming to Charlotte. Like, ah. How you feel <laughs> about your uh, defensive coordinator, pass game coordinator now? Oh, uh, Steve Wilkes. Yeah, I, I, I personally love it. He was the defensive coordinator in 2017 uh, here, and he left because he got the Arizona the Cardinals job. Yeah, he got the head coaching job with Ari. That's right. They gave, now him, they gave him a year, and then they fired him. Uh, right. And he went to I mean, he inherited a mess, and they right. fired him for Cliff Kingsbury, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Who, who came in with a losing record out of college oh, and got that job. at Texas Tech? He just had some good quarterbacks come through. Yeah, and, and you saw what was going on. Uh, I saw earlier this week that Kyler Murray deleted all of his uh, the the pictures of the Arizona Cardinals or whatever. So did, off you, his did you see what the Cardinals did on their Instagram? They did the same thing or something. No, well, they, they, they deleted the all the pictures except for Kyler Murray. Yeah, there's Instagram. two left on there now. So people, the Cardinal fan base is like, "What? What is going on?" Like, I haven't heard anything about Kyler Murray being uh, disgruntled or upset or anything with the Cardinals uh, program. So they're having some turmoil inside. With I think. From what I'm hearing is they're having some uh, issues getting their coaches, the bonuses that were in their contracts. And mm. I think that's kind of what's going on. But I'm not 100% on that. But that's what yeah. I've been hearing. And we mess with people's money. Mess with people's exactly. money, then feelings get hurt. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. We'll see what happens with the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. And then uh, did you guys uh, go ahead and make your – I'm going to save mine towards the end of the show because i got to wrap back around to it. But starting off with you, Rod, what do you think is going to happen in this game? Give me a prediction. Rams, Bengals, Super Bowl 56. Uh, the Bengals are trying to win their first Super, Super Bowl. Yeah, well, the, the, first their first, Rams have won one, uh, the 99 Rams. Uh, so uh, this will be the first one for Cincinnati if they can pull it off. Yeah, Dez, I believe that the Rams are just equipped. I believe that they're focused. Sean McVay has gotten to a Super Bowl once in which he lost it because I think he thought about it too much. He overthought what he needed to do to, in order to compete against a Bill Belichick team. 
uh, with quarterback Tom Brady in it, and he lost. So this year, you know, I think he's not. He's going to come in a little more relaxed. He has that Super Bowl experience. I want the Bengals to win. I really do. I would love to see the Bengals win. It's just like a Cinderella story. I love cheering for the underdog. Uh, but the Rams, you know, they they built a great team. They did it the right way. And I think this is the Rams year here. Um, so although I'm going to be cheering for the Rams, I expect the outcome to be a victory for the L.A. Rams. I'm going to be cheering for the Bengals, but I expect the, the victory to be Rams 24 and Bengals probably 20. Um, and I think that's going to be the final. Brandon, your thoughts? What do you think is going to happen? Who's going to win? Super Bowl 56, Rams, Bengals. Uh, Rams hosting uh, the second team to host the Super Bowl after no one had done it for over 50 years, the second year in a row uh, that a team will be hosting the Super Bowl at SoFi. Uh, what you got? Roll close for three quarters, but I think eventually, if the run game is going good, if Joe Mixon can get it going, I think it'll be really close. If if it's all on Joe Burrow, I think the final will be 42-28 Rams. I think they pull away in the fourth quarter. Um, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be like a Big 12 shootout. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I know these – but I think the Rams' defense will figure it out in the fourth quarter. I think that's where they make their biggest plays in the fourth quarter. Um, I think they're going to step up. I think that the Bengals are young, and they're they just crazy enough to do it. I'll be rooting for the Bengals as well. But I just think L.A.'s been there before. It's at home. They've got this nice group of veterans and uh matt stafford he better not let this one get through yeah this could be a legacy changing uh game it is a legacy changing game for matt stafford you win a super bowl you're no longer considered an average quarterback uh going forward i mean you can really start talking hall of fame because he's going to play another five six years he's going to put another twenty five thousand yards on that well uh, he has hall of fame stats eligibility right now he's sorry he just happened to be with detroit the only thing like brandon said he's missing is that ring so if he gets that ring you know i feel like his position is solidified as far as the hall of fame is concerned and I, i ain't mad at him because he had a choice to go to uh la or charlotte because charlotte had a better deal on the table that was who they originally wanted they wanted stafford and stafford ended up getting kidnapped by sean mcveigh they go out on the boat come back he never even went he didn't even consider charlotte he just went to la and they took the uh <laughs> they took the lesser deal uh for him and look what happened i mean we talked about the rams were going all in they threw all their chips on the table they in the super bowl Jay he might have he might have ended his season with a concussion down here with cowboys but yeah, I think it's gonna be a tight one. I think it's gonna be a tight one. And the only play only position I truly think that the Bengals are better on the field than the Rams is at, is at kicker. And I got it being the 2017 Evan McPherson walk off. Bengals win the Super Bowl. With the, yeah. So that's my pick. Okay. Yeah, that's hmm. I'm gonna say mine. I got another hour to marinate on it, but y'all have given me some Evan food. McPherson. Super Bowl MVP, Evan McPherson. My boy said, I can't believe we about to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Get out there and kick that thing. We gotta take a commercial. We gotta take a commercial break. When we come back, though, a little NBA talk. One of our favorite uh players to talk about on the rundown, James Harden, back in the news. He uh woke up on uh thursday and chose violence decided he wanted to get out of uh philly and it happened fast uh <laughs> faster than i expected i didn't think it was gonna happen we'll talk about the ramifications of that deal for the whole league and is james harden overrated i want to have this conversation because i feel like 
if you're if you're supposed to be considered a top, I don't know, 25 or, or 50 player of all time, you shouldn't be bouncing around from team to team. And that's what's starting to happen with not just him, but a lot of the top stars that we look at in today's NBA. I want to examine why and who might be responsible for all this nonsense. <clears throat> LeBron James. We'll be back in just a bit. Let's <laughs> run down on Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com at WWBG 1478. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. The wait is over. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. Open seven days a week starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern Cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonia's Catering Specials. Open now. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem. Looking to change things up a little? Visit Salon Resi. Located at 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy, Salon Resi is the newest high-end full-service salon and spa in the triad. Salon Resi Spa includes massages and skin care. Get a full highlight treatment, shampoo and style, color and retouch, and much, much more. Salon Resi, where passion and creativity meet. 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy. Find your next car at Auto Store of North Carolina in Walkertown. Their goal is to make car shopping and car buying experience fast, friendly, and easy. They have helped hundreds of customers get behind the wheel of a newer, reliable, quality-used car, and they can help you, too. Stop by and speak with one of their sales professionals today and drive away with your new car. The Auto Store of North Carolina, 4964 Reedsville Road in Walkertown. Give them a call at 336-595-8550 and view the current inventory of vehicles at autostoreofnc.com. You deserve to get good service and great rates. At State Farm, we get it. And we're here to help because with every State Farm policy, you get good neighbor service and you get surprisingly great rates. So what are you waiting for? Get going and talk to a local State Farm agent about your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. When you want the real deal, call State Farm agent Susanna Nunn in Kernersville today. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Here at Tobacco Road Sports Radio, we ask the tough questions. Hey, you got any left-handed footballs? We're never afraid to tell you how we feel. Oh, we look like the damn bad news bears. We'll debate sports. We'll debate anything. Man, you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther King. Not the way that but yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he did not. No matter what, Tobacco Road Sports Radio has you covered. I'm going to come right back at it. You're listening to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson.
Welcome back to the rundown. It is Dre Day, and everybody celebrating Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, kicking off one of the most anticipated halftime shows maybe in Super Bowl history on a Sunday. There's a, a football game that's going to break out in the middle of that concert, though. Rams and Bengals just missed our picks. Uh, you can chime in on what you're hearing or what you're watching on the rundown uh, on WWBG 1470 AM in the triad uh, or on radio.com. It's available on Facebook Watch. It's available on YouTube. It's available on, on Twitter at Tobacco Radio. Just type your question in or your comment. It'll appear here on the bottom of the screen, and you can interact with the rundown. Uh, a little NBA uh, talk here. The trade deadline went by, and I didn't expect a whole lot of action to happen, and then it just exploded uh, right before the deadline. And, of course, the biggest deal, the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers agreeing to this blockbuster deal just hours before the trade day, uh, deadline. James Harden and Paul Millsap going to Philadelphia in exchange for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks going back to Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn will get Philadelphia's unprotected 2022 first-round pick, so the one after this season, with the right to defer it to 2023, and then they get a top-eight protected 2027 first-round pick. Um, that pick remains top eight protected in 2028. It turns into two second round picks and two million in cash uh, if it does not convey in either season. This um, took me by surprise. Well, I guess it didn't take me by surprise because earlier that morning when I started watching Get Up, uh, they were talking about uh, Adrian Wojnarowski was on and he was basically saying that uh, James Harden basically woke up and was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like trade me, get me out of here. And they basically figured out a way to do it. They gave up a lot, uh, Philly, to get him. Uh, but Daryl Morey's the GM there. He's the GM with the Houston Rockets when he brought in James Harden. Um, who who won this trade? Because while Brooklyn got a lot in exchange for James Harden, who's actually out right now with a hamstring injury, Philly, actually, I feel like the combo of, of Harden and Embiid is, is a better fit for championship purposes going forward. And like, who do you think won this trade starting off the, the Nets or, um, or, or the 76ers? Cause I feel like they should have been trading Kyrie Irving, to be honest, they should have got him out cause he hadn't been available for half the year. And there's a, <laughs> there was a story that was going around on the athletic yesterday. I think it was where, um, uh, there was a, there was a time in the locker room, they were in Cleveland and Kyrie Irving. I don't know if you guys know. But he uh he like burns sage in the locker Ooh. room or like out in the, the court or whatever to kind of get rid of evil spirits or whatever. And he pulled out this big huge thing of sage in the locker room while they were in Cleveland and started burning it. And there were witnesses in the in the room that James Harden looked at him uh, quote like he had three heads like while he was doing this. So like this has started the bubble for like a minute where Harden is kind of like, you know, you guys convinced me to come here and mainly Kyrie, and now Kyrie ain't here but half the games because he won't take the shot, the same shot that I took so I'd be able to play. Now you're telling me you don't want to take the shot, and because of that, you're going to sit at home? Like he, Because remember, Kyrie was talking all this, I'm doing it for the people and all this other stuff. Really, he was just doing it for himself. He just didn't want to take the shot. And somehow, some way, the Nets have kind of obliged him, and it forced them to lose James Harden. So I'm just like, did they – they trade the wrong guy. Should it have been Kyrie Irving that they tried to trade, or uh, was it just inevitable? Well, I would say they probably weren't going to get as much for Kyrie Irving as they would for James Harden. That's just that's my crazy. Personal, I mean, my these are two. 
Are these? But you got to think. You got to think of everything that comes with. You got to think that everything that comes with Kyrie. You got this. It depends on where your team is located. You got this whole vaccine thing. See, then you just never know. <laughs> you never know what's up with Kyrie. It, it seems like for these last couple of years, it's just been a new something new, like every year. You know, like he pick up a new, uh, a new mantra or a new. Uh, a crusade that he's going to be a part of, and every year, and it, it, it is affecting. I wouldn't say it's affecting his play on the court per se, but it's affecting his availability and him being there, actually available on the court. So I would say that uh, Brooklyn did win this trade, though. However, because I think the key piece was not the Ben Simmons piece. I know Philadelphia was just trying to find something to do with Ben Simmons, which is going to be a perfect. This, this is the perfect fit for Ben Simmons. I gotta you say, don't, it is. you don't have to score. Nope. He, facilitate for Kyrie and KD, but the key piece is that Seth Curry pickups because Seth Curry is going to be able to start when Kyrie's not available to play, and then when Kyrie is available to play, he can come off the bench and just be a knockdown six-man shooter to go along with Joe Harris to really be able to spread the forward when KD and Kyrie are uh, both out there. So I would say not even the picks. And then the drumming pick, the, the drumming pickup was so huge as well because that is truly what the Nets have been missing, a big that can dominate yeah. the paint, and not scoring-wise, but defensively as well as rebounding. So I, I think the Nets uh, won this trade by a landslide. I do think, however, the pieces in Philly will probably fit a little bit better with Embiid and Harden. But I know Harden was just trying to get out of New York. Yeah, I don't know if y'all know, but New York has uh, true gentlemen's clubs. And, you know, um, James Harden is – more accustomed to the strip club environment, if y'all understand what I'm saying. I keep hearing the wings are the best. No, no, so there right there is a difference between the strip club and the gentleman's club. So the gentleman, I, I feel like Rod knows. Hot Rod I feel like Rod knows the difference. No, I definitely know the difference. Believe me, I understand why the man was in Houston too. I got, there you go. look, I got friends that was in Houston, Diz. You know who I got in Houston, my buddy. His wife lives out there. As a matter of fact, we go out there and visit him. When he starts getting on his wife's nerves, he looks at all his friends and say, well, y'all please take him to the strip club and get him <laughs> out of my face. And we go and we don't return until about six, seven in the morning. And we have just ate some great chicken wings. I ain't going to lie to you. They were excellent. I was like, you can get wings like this in the strip club? That's Only in Houston, baby. Hearing. Only in Houston. I, Only in Houston. I had Atlanta, to take Atlanta, Atlanta wings in the strip club. Yeah. I don't understand it. I trust <laughs> me. The blue, the blue flame in Atlanta, you can get like Pot rolls, you can get like chicken, <laughs> fried chicken. You get a whole it's like that. Yeah, oh and, and they open all night. I, I know when I was in Houston one time, we literally left the 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 the, the play club and I went straight to the airport. My buddy took me straight to the airport. He said, Look, you can sleep when you get on the plane. And that's what I did. Just covered in glitter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was covered in. I know I, I know I woke up quick. That was the fastest flight I ever had in my life. Well, it's gonna be the last episode of the rundown. We're gonna get this, uh, <laughs> what um I'm trying to bring this back somehow. Uh <laughs> it's uh, well, yeah, man, James Harden the Philly. Yeah, we all know strip clubs are rejoicing in Philly all around the all around, James the, all around the city. We know that he dropping man. more dollar bills than buckets right now. But my thing is, man, I really feel like it was uh I think the Sixers won this trade. I think arguably. Brooklyn did a really good job, and I think for me the biggest adjustment will be Ben Simmons probably matching up against Giannis and preserving KD a little bit more defensively because Brooklyn's and one of the worst. Got Drummond back there too. Yeah, mm -hmm. Brooklyn's one of the most worst 
worst defensive efficiency teams in the league. They're terrible guarding the paint, rebounding. Um, my man Blake Griffin is not that. Dayron Sharp is good, but he's still a young buck. He's still growing, so that's big. Yeah. But I think the biggest piece in this trade was the Sixers holding on to Thibault. I think that was the biggest piece because you put him next to Harden. Harden doesn't have to guard up against the best perimeter threat. He can kind of be free and do his thing. You still got him beat, and that pick and pop is going to be insane. Be Tobias Harris yeah, is still good. there. I mean, I think he's going to bring up – Embiid has been more dominant since Ben Simmons has been out. We've seen him become that alpha dog where he don't disappear no more. That's his squad, and I think James Harden will bring the best out of him. And they just got – they got a guy that – they're already playing good. Tyrese Massey is the best. So they could afford to lose Seth Curry because of Tyrese Massey. And you, you got him – or, yeah, Tyrese Maxey, excuse me. So you got the young bug. They're already playing very good, and they just flipped a guy that ain't played all year, all year. for a superstar in the league, man. I think – Philly, Philly, I think, won this trade. But see, I, I can't agree with you on that, Brandon, because the pieces that the uh, the Nets got, they needed them more than the pieces Philly got. The only reason you say Philly won this trade is because they got off of Ben Simmons. But because of that, because of they fact, kept Thibault. They, they were handcuffed, though, bro. Like, they, he had them so locked up, it wasn't nothing they could do. It, to, In my opinion, there was really nothing, and whoever they traded for, uh, ben Simmons for they weren't going to win that trade just because they were already at such a deficit with him not being on the court. Actually, I want to because kind of, of who actually, they gave up, not who they got. Like, let's, who they actually, didn't I wanna, give up. let's stop right there because I actually want to hit that point that uh, that Jalen kind of stumbled on, and that's how the NBA, how much power the players have. Because like I was trying to think, can this happen in another league where like a guy forces himself off of not just one? I mean, not just Eli two, Manning cried his way teams. to the Giants. Yeah, but that was like. He threw a temper tantrum on national TV and, oh, I'm so happy that the Chargers trapped him. Yeah. I don't want to play for them. <laughs> oh, BJ's dad helped him get out to L.A. Okay, that's two instances. But like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> but a, it's like, a new player empowerment thing, man. It's the, real, it's the real deal out here. Is LeBron James responsible for this? Like, did that start with the whole Miami Heat, the Be the Heatles, like him leaving, taking my talents to South Beach? Did this all start that night in the the Boys and Girls Club of Stanford, Connecticut, where now? Because now, like, I mean, look at the look at the the main people involved in all these blockbuster trades over the past like five or six years, or just free agency. I mean, KG forced his way out of Minnesota. Well, now that one was more so that oh, I mean he, he had been there. He forced his way out of Minnesota. He'd been there too long. He'd already been there a decade. Kevin McHale basically Ooh. gave him a solid. And LeBron had been. That's what I'm saying. Cleveland. LeBron been there ten years Cleveland too. for a decade. Eight years. So what's the difference? But uh, the difference is in Cleveland, LeBron was actually making it to finals. They were actually good. Minnesota made it one final with Booby Gibson. Bro. Hey, hey I, I can't. I can't apologize. KG made it to the, the made it to the semifinals <laughs> with what, what's my boy Booby name? Shaq. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm from the school where the, you know people stay with the teams that they're at. You know, unless it's just a situation where it's like like Kevin Garnett, where it's like, okay, you're never gonna win a title here. Like you've tried, they paid you money, big ticket, you the highest paid player. I mean, that's a that's a reason to stay. I mean, he got a hundred twenty million dollar contract in the nineties. <laughs> so I mean, everything that, you know. has changed though regarding work. Y'all are also from a generation where people stay at one job for thirty years. That 30 don't years. happen no more either. Like yeah. the whole generation done changed off the court, on the court. Uh, I think but that people but does are that change. Does that change how we view them legacy wise? Because we're having to compare these players 
to those no, players the, before that didn't the move bag, around. The bag is exponentially out. greater now. That's why it doesn't. His, uh, his legacy with the Lakers, and neither did Will. Yeah, but, uh, Bingo. Bingo. Will got the end man. of his career. Him, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Who else did you say? Clyde Drexler didn't start his, his career with the Rockets. I'm just saying. But that's not team hopping. That's one team. I, I'm cool with them going someplace late. Okay, but you got to really think of what happened in New York, in, in Brooklyn, bro. We agreed to something as a team, as a unit, as three superstars. This is what we was going to do. And what happened? One of us lied to us, and we're going to change the whole script. And now I'm out because I can't trust you. you, you you're not a man of your word. We had already had an agreement as to what we was going to do. And you're not riding with us how we riding with you, so I'm out. I'm with well, to, and to Jalen's point, to yeah. Jalen's point on that, you know, I think Kyrie may have had the best intentions in the world to do what he said, but I think he made those, you know, predictions pre-COVID and pre-COVID yeah, rules. Mm-hmm. And the, and you know, when this COVID yeah. comes down, yeah. this COVID will cause all of us to make decisions that we may not have made before COVID. You know, I've had to make some decisions after COVID that I probably wouldn't have made before COVID. You know, it it's just is what it is. Um, but as far as who who won, just listening to both these guys' point, I think both institutions won. First of all, the Nets won on the court, in my opinion. And I believe Philly won from a GM standpoint because Maury, was pulling all his hair out trying to figure out what the heck to do with Ben Simmons. Ben, Sim- ben Simmons had them mugs completely confiscated. Had him in a there pool. Was, yeah, yeah, there was nothing that they could do. So just for Maury to get under Simmons, he is breathing a sigh of relief. And then on the second half of that, he's bringing in Harden. Him and Harden were in Houston together, and they took it to the Western Conference Finals and did their thing. So who knows if this whole Harden trade is going to set up things for Philly in the future. You know, I see Maury and Harden getting together and trying to figure out who to bring in to make this team better or what trades to make or draft picks to get to possibly make this Philly team better. And Philly is more wanting to win now, especially with the way Embiid is playing. Yeah, The the only thing with Harden, he needs to come off some of that weight a little bit. That dude look like me and I'm 225 strong. So he, he needs he he need to come when he goes over. in, he balloons out because he yeah. was that's how he got the fat suit out when he wanna get traded. He's taking the fat suit out. <laughs> he he comes out with all of a sudden. That's how he got out of Houston. Remember we were showing the pictures of him warm-ups and like he had gained like 40 pounds in like a week from them, probably from the wings from the strip club. Well, yeah. then he got out. Late night yes, man. <laughs> what we what we can't we, what we can't do. Is excuse Kyrie for his actions in this whole James Harden trade, bro. Oh no, no, no. Heart, I'll get the Kyrie. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. Like, you want to talk about James Harden overrating hopping team? Like, okay, from Houston, I understand why he got out of Houston because Maury left and he didn't like the direction they was going with the franchise before. Like, they had to get blown up. They, I mean, it's been there right. six years, so I, I get right. it. He, yeah. Get up out of there, cool. The whole Oklahoma City thing, he was traded. Wasn't really much he could do about that, right? Worst this one here, maybe sports history. Yeah. But this one right here, I, and I'm not one to, I'm not a super James Harden fan because I feel like, you know, he's had some post-season, postseason blunders that I just can't wrap my head around. But on this one, bro, I can understand because when your man, you when you look at your mans and you tell them, okay, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to get down and this is our plan. And then for one of one of our three musketeers to, to pull up short and to not be able to live up to his end of the bargain, that, that's enough to get you up out of there. Deal because, breaker. 
Yeah. You know, it's a deal breaker because I came here on y'all word, and you already we 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 only got sixteen games in together on the court because you and your decisions, and you want to be a philosopher, and you want to be a, a revolutionary, or whatever. But what about a, a Hall of Fame basketball player? What about a champion? That's what we came here for. So I I, I see where his point stands, and I understand his sentiments on this one. I mean, it would have been the, the most effective offensive big three probably of all time if they had gotten on the court. They were 13 and three in those 16 games. They were on the court together. Um, well, they was rolling in the playoffs last year. Yeah. And well, injuries like, too, man. Injuries. That, he, I stepped on him. Buddy Foot. He stepped on Buddy Foot. That's so why I don't trust the Nets. That's really why I don't trust the Nets because really ever since this whole experiment started, they haven't been able to stay healthy. Durant's had two, two pretty say, big leg injuries. Uh, Harden was getting hurt. Kyrie's constantly hurt. Like, I don't know if Kyrie's ever played a full 82 game season his entire career. Like, he's always got something banged up, nicked up, something with him. Um, I do agree. Kyrie is probably the one out of those three. I mean, Lord knows I'm going to say Kevin Durant's overrated as a basketball player. Uh, sometimes he might be. That'd be be outside. Yeah, yeah, he's top 25 i got him in my top 25 right now uh he's he deserves that but and he does need to get something outside of golden state for me to elevate him further yeah like he can't crack with me because of what he did like he i i can't i can't let go the fact that my man joined a 73 win team to get a ring like this the team do you have do you have scotty pippen in your top 15 is scotty pippen in your top 15 oh scotty pippen in my top 15 i was about to say there's no way you can have scotty scotty pippen over kevin no no look i'm just 90 bulls are man we know how y'all have yeah i'm just there's only one dude on that team that made the top 10 like he there's only one that's in there and at this point i feel like it should be undisputable but hey whatever speaking on Kyrie a little bit I understand exactly where James Harden is coming from. But we also got to realize that these guys play basketball. They aren't basketball. They got other goals and other dreams and other aspirations. And it's a lot of players, including Jonathan Isaac, is another guy. I know he's hurt right now, but he was another guy that didn't want to get the shot. He played for the magic, bro. Like Rod said, like Rod said, a lot of people made commitments and decisions before this whole thing got down. Cause we didn't know that we was in the middle of we was in the we middle of COVID already though, know, bro. But we didn't, but there wasn't restrictions about playing in certain cities before Harden got there. That wasn't a thing yet. But see, and that's, that kind of came along. But here's and, my and problem with that. You look though, me in your eye, you look me in my eyes as my bro, and you pull some mess like that. I'm looking at you funny, man. He took the shot. That's the thing with Harden, probably. He took the shot so he could be available, and now he's got to look across the locker room at this dude that refuses to take the shot that convinced him to come here. And he's getting paid still. three now of COVID in the NBA, bro. Like, so that's why I don't blame man. Harden. I don't blame Harden because he got put in a situation. Like, his own decision. I know man. that's your dog, bro. I know that's your dog, B. I know that's your dog. But you know how it is, bro. If you look your man's in your eyes and you tell him this is what we're doing and you don't get down like that, come on, bro. You the whole dynamic change. Everybody but I, also, at you funny. I also heard that Kyrie was 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 whooping on him one-on-one in practice every day and hurt his pride. I don't know if that's what oh, no. That's what I heard. What I heard was Steve Nash wasn't holding Kyrie accountable for some of them bad shots he was taking. He was 
drilling. I, 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 heard, I heard he called Harden washed, and Harden was up out of there. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> How am I watching you play 40 games? <laughs> maybe maybe I'm watching because I, I play heard, every heard, night. Heard, maybe that's why I'm washed. I, I play 82 games, barely, bro. I'm a little bit more tired than you. I heard he was barely in basketball shape. Bro. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'll take James Harden out of basketball shape than Kyrie for 41 games a night a year, bro. Yeah, if you had to choose, okay, right, that's a good end point right there. 41 for games. I'm going to go quick down the line. If you had to choose between Kyrie Irving, Irving and James Harden on your team, who would you rather have? Rod? James Harden. Uh, Kyrie Irving All James day long, James Harden. You already you know, know that. that. Because that Kyrie his hamstrings is a, is together, he going to play. Kyrie yep. is a cancer in the locker room, and Kyrie is – you can't trust him. You don't know if he's going to be there right now. His man don't even trust him no more, Kyrie, man. Kyrie is what you call a part-time basketball player. Period. Because he can't play in New York. So he's part-time. He's not full-time. Most people who go to part-time gigs don't make the same amount of money. And he is. And that's going to make people feel some type of weight. Period. He's getting paid full game salary. KD looking at Kyrie different. James Harden looking at Kyrie different. Everybody else on the team is. But them two, the only two that really matter in this argument, right? They looking at him different. Those are the guys that you talk into coming to do this whole big three with. And you telling me he's not the problem, Brandon? It's everybody else, right? It's everybody else. Hey, we all know, we all know, we all know that that was an emotional else. locker room. James Harden, the diva, man, straight up. That's man. cool. Know. I understand that, but your man, divas. your man lit the candle, bro. They're your man divas. lit it up. He spoke everything. Kevin Durant's on that it team. I mean, Kevin Durant really blew it up, bro. Underneath the thing of just say, my, my mama saved my apartment before I get when I got up here. My mama saved my apartment, so I, I don't have no problem with the sage, <laughs> brother. brother. We gotta take a break. We gotta take we a break. We gotta go. We gotta we, go. go. We, we we gotta Real quick, Malik Willis from Liberty. Should the Carolina Panthers take a chance on this kid that's kind of shot up draft boards after the Senior Bowl last week? We're going to chop it up and I figure out how move for the Panthers. We'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to The Rundown on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Craving fried chicken? Stop by One Stop on the way to the big game. One Stop Number 6, located at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville, serves fresh fried chicken and famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Craving wings? Come try the new spicy breaded wings. Get a five-wing meal with six taters in a roll for just $7.39. Now in regular, hot, ranch, or spicy. One Stop Number 6, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. 
Kim Source Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building, looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and save. Kim Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990. Order from the website at kimsourcedirect.com. Enter your softball team into the Diamond Stars Invitational March 19th and 20th at Springwood Park in Burlington, North Carolina. Age brackets are for 10 and up for a one-day event, 12 and up, and 14 and up. With Diamond Star events, you get more games, longer time limits, quality competition, and prizes to all champions. With Diamond Star events, get the tournament experience your players, coaches, and families deserve. For more information and to sign up, visit DiamondStarEvents.net. You deserve to get good service and great rates. At State Farm, we get it. And we're here to help because with every State Farm policy, you get good neighbor service and you get surprisingly great rates. So what are you waiting for? Get going and talk to a local State Farm agent about your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. When you want the real deal, call State Farm agent Susanna Nunn in Kernersville today. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the rundown. Saturday live every Saturday, 10 a.m. WWBG 1470 a.m. Uh, celebrating it is Dre Day. Everybody celebrating due to the fact that uh they are taking over the halftime show super bowl 56 on sunday so every bump that we come back in for commercial break uh during this two-hour rundown is dr dre produced uh i'm not even gonna, i can't even mention the name of the song actually but <laughs> so uh y'all know what it is if you got a shout out if you want to talk about something that we're talking about on the air have a question you want to post to the panel hit us up on facebook watch or on the youtube uh, sports Carolina monthly channel you can type it in there it'll show up at the bottom of the screen and uh, we will address your question the carolina panthers have the sixth pick in the nfl the 2022 nfl draft and there's been a call that they should do one of two things either draft an offensive lineman or draft a quarterback it's kind of a weak quarterback draft but there's been a name that's been kind of bouncing up the boards here uh, Liberty quarterback Malik Willis um, showed out senior bowl uh, during senior week clearly had the strongest arm of any uh, prospect there. Uh, there's some similarities to Cam Newton. I'll get to his like uh, his stats and whatnot here in just a bit. Um, but I guess really the question is, should the Panthers go for a quarterback in this draft at pick number six? Because I see people saying they got to do offensive line. I'm like, I mean, they can do offensive line, but Sam Darnold's still going to be standing back there. Like, do, even if we give him more time, I don't trust him to 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 lead this team to where they need to be. So, if you're head coach Matt Rule, you're already on the hot seat. You signed a seven year deal, but you're going into year three on the hot seat. Do you draft a rookie quarterback and and try to get him prepped up enough to play this season? really for your job because if this if this fails you're probably gone but on the other hand you're probably gone anyway if you don't have a quarterback whatsoever maybe you buy yourself time by getting a rookie quarterback by saying you know well he still needs to grow blah 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 he's still learning 
and you get yourself an extra year or two. What would you do if your head coach Matt Rule and general manager Scott Fitter are in the situation when you've got a guy like Malik Willis sitting there? Would you would you would you draft a quarterback? I'll start off with you, Rod. I mean, what do you think? Oh, wait, sorry. I'm sorry. I got you muted. There you go. Okay. Well, the first thing I would do is wish I could go back in time and not bring Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. That was the first mistake that was made, period. And whenever you make a mistake like that on your quarterback, you know, just as a head coach, you don't really want to put your job in the hands of a rookie at quarterback, especially when all eyes are going to be on you bringing in a rookie, not to mention a black quarterback on top of that. We know all the issues that the black quarterback has had as well as the, of course, you know, there we made tremendous leaps and browns and a lot of bounds and a lot of progress when it comes to the black quarterback. But uh, Matt Rule is not going to pick this kid, uh, regardless of how good he is, how good he looks. I think this kid would be great if Pittsburgh could get a hold of him. Um, mm-hmm. I think he would be in a great area there. Uh, but I, I just don't. I think Matt Rule needs to. He's put a plan together. He needs to stick with his plan. You've already put your chips in on Sam Darnold. Go ahead and build that offensive line. Make sure he has the protection that he needs. That way, if Sam Darnold does screw it up, you have built the team the right way, at least from the offensive line, because you should build the team from the line out on both sides of the line and then out. Now, he is he needs to go ahead and complete that puzzle. And once that's done, even if Sam Darnold screws it up, you can always go to David Tepper and say, hey, this is how you build the team. I built it correctly. The one mistake that I made was Sam Darnold, but I thought simply because the Jets was just a terrible organization. Other than that, I think uh, Matt Rule will not pick Malik Willis regardless of his stats and how high his draft stock has grown. I just don't see it happening. Joseph Fry, listening to run down right now, says that the Panthers are going to draft Kenny Pickett from Pitt. Um, Real quick on that. I I heard Kenny Pickett's got tiny hands and a noodle arm. He does have tiny hands. If you've ever seen a picture of it, like he wears double gloves because his hands are so small. That yeah. scares me. That tiny hands and a noodle arm. I don't think that's what you want. I, I can't imagine Kenny Pickett being like Joe Burrow type ascension. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of what Carolina wants. They want something where they've got some pieces. We've seen them in action before. They just need a quarterback that can basically change the culture. Pretty much what Cam Newton did a decade need, ago when he came in here. Left tackle, bro. They need. They need if Evan Neal is still there they from Alabama. If anchor. Evan Neal is at six, I'd be running to the podium. Go get Evan Neal. But if he's not there, you got pronounce his name, the kid from NC State. Yeah. I, I'm not spending my sixth pick on him. Like I'd rather trade down. Okay. Listen, maybe you take the, the, the first. Honestly, if I'm the Panthers, I take the best lineman available. Now, if he's not slotted at six at that point, then okay, trade down, and then maybe we can get a couple guys. Yeah, because they don't have they don't have a second just, or a third just, round pick because like, of the Sam Darnold stuff. Just like last week, uh, last year when the Panthers took all defensive players on the draft, I think all four, out, four out, yeah, it needs to be four <laughs> out of the six need to be offensive line. How many picks they got? They need to make at least three offensive linemen picks. It doesn't matter what rounds per se, but it needs to be three offensive linemen drafted in this draft. Just because it doesn't matter who's the quarterback. Yeah, Malik Willis, he can run, but can he run for his life? Is the question. And it's like, <laughs> you, you bring him in, and he's running for his life, just like Sam Darnold was, just like Cam Newton was, just like Teddy Bridgewater was. That's not going to save Matt Rule. Matt Rule has to be able to show that he can, like Rob was saying, build those foundations of a solid football team. 
And if he's, you can't win in the trenches, if you can't protect your quarterback, whoever it is, if you can't protect me back there, then it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Unless you're Joe Burrow. And then you I take mean, Super Bowl. That's my thing, man. I think y'all have valid points. Do I think they will take Malik Willis? No. Do I think they should? Absolutely. The kid's going to be a superstar, man. He's going to be a – he's got elite arm talent. He's by far hands down. But what if he dies in two draft. years? Like, because he gets I think, hit I think two times in two games, saying, two seasons. Though, I think you do spend the rest of the picks on the offensive line, but you can find – quality offensive lineman easier than you can find a franchise quarterback. We've seen that. Right. You don't need you don't need an elite offensive line to win games. Right. We're seeing that with Cincinnati. You need somebody that's going to get ticket holders excited and fill those seats. And you can build around Malik Willis. You can go in and sign veteran linemen. You can go in and you can draft linemen in later rounds that are still talented that are moving up draft boards as well. But you cannot simulate a franchise quarterback, and That's Sam Darnold point. ain't it. Sam, Dar- if Sam Darnold's sitting there in the second round, and we've moved back into the second, I'll probably wasting a second on Sam Darnold. I'm not Sam Darnold. Uh, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, he's smaller than Cam Newton because there's been comparisons to him because he was originally at Auburn and transferred Ooh. out to Liberty. Uh, he's from Atlanta. He's six foot one, 215 pounds. Um, Last season, threw for 2,857 yards, 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, had a QBR of 70. Uh, he was throwing about 61% completion rate. Uh, I don't know. I think the problem is a lot of people just haven't seen him. So, like, oh. they see this name that's popped up. Like, who's this guy? Why would we do that? But if you think about the past two or three years, there's been a quarterback in the draft that's been that way. Last year it was Trey Lance, where a lot of people – Hadn't seen him because of just of who where he played at, you know, and then and then he took the previous year off because of COVID. Yeah, uh, or uh, coming uh, off a national title, Josh Allen, same way. I mean, we, I mean, we didn't, we hadn't seen these people, so we were reluctant to be like, oh, you should, you know, you shouldn't draft Josh Allen top ten in a draft. We don't even know who he is. Well, they did, (laughs) and now look at the Bills; they're set up going forward for the next fifteen years. I mean, I feel like if Willis is that talented. And you put the right quarterback coach with him, then I could see I could see it because you've already got you already got weapons around him. You, uh, you assume you're going to have a healthy Christian McCaffrey back. That's that's what that was Hopefully my next point. Slot. Yeah, yeah, but, the, slot. but listen, though, the question was, will the Matt Rule draft him? Wasn't that the question? Yeah, or, or should they draft a quarterback? Should, should the Panthers draft a quarterback and with the number six pick? Okay, but even that, I mean, you're limiting it to is Malik Willis. Sam Howell and uh, and Kenny Pickett really I'm, I'm, don't I'm, get I'm, Sam Howell. Howell. Do not draft Sam Howell. Thank you. Now, I told not y'all from the rooftops, right? I, I, I told y'all not to draft the kid who's a backup with Buffalo who went to um, Chicago. Trubisky. Oh, uh, Trubisky. Yeah. yeah, I said that multiple times. Everybody looked at me like I was crazy. Hey, real I said, quick. Look, right. I got season yeah. tickets. I watch them every week. Right, 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 right. So I was at I was at the game. It was Mitchell Trubisky versus Daniel Jones. I went to that game, right? And if you would have told me that day that either one of them would have been drafted in the first round, I would have slapped you. And they both they they both, both went in the, the top first 10. round. <laughs> I don't Malik Willis, Malik Willis, his situation reminds me of Steve McNair, a really talented quarterback. Ooh, They're built okay. the same. They kind of play alike. Uh, not crazy, crazy athletic, but can move. Mm-hmm. And both coming from smaller schools. But we got to remember this kid had Liberty in the top 25. Him and Coach Hugh Freeze, who coached at Ole Miss, who coached some big-time talent, who's seen some of the best. They won a lot of games together. 
I'm 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 getting more convinced to take him and not even trade down because I look at it like it's a win-win situation. If say you bring in Willis and he already has a relationship with Cam Newton, you bring Cam Newton back on a team-friendly one-year deal to kind of be his mentor and to be the bridge quarterback to get to him. Uh, you figure out what to do with Sam Darnold. And if it Ain't doesn't gonna take him. Yeah, I know. That's the problem. Like, basically, you just got to drop him off somewhere and be like, we'll be right back. And then just not come back. (laughs) Like, literally just leave him at Arby's or someplace and just hope you don't know how to find his way back home. But I feel like you could do a lot of uh, the the damage that they did at the end of the season PR wise. You can undo a lot of that with a couple of real easy steps. You, Matt Rule is done with Cam Newton, Des. I don't understand. I don't know what part of that you don't understand. I know this is all wishful thinking on a Saturday. The NFL is done with Cam Newton. Yeah, I don't who, even know. Who, 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 who else he gonna blame if Cam ain't there? Who's he gonna put the blame on if Cam not there? See? Yeah, I know that he's running out of players to blame. So you got to bring somebody. Oh, check this out. Though. Well, he, he got Sam Donald. Oh yeah, he threw some. And he did started blaming Sam towards the end. Finally, yeah. But I say you bring in Malik Willis. You have a competition at quarterback, whether it's Sam Darnold versus Malik, whatever. You build a healthy competition. You spend, like Jalen was saying, those mid-round draft picks on offensive linemen. We already saw Scott Fitter last year manipulate the draft board and just pick up picks all over the place from moving down and all over the place. And they ended up with like nine, ten picks by the time the thing was over with. They don't have a second. They don't have a third. They gave their second to the Jets. I think Houston has their third. Um they, the main hole they have is offensive line. They've kind of built up the secondary, the linebacking core straight. You got to assume a You got to get somebody healthier. You got to get somebody off that line there just for the simple fact that hopefully that can protect McCaffrey a little bit more, too. Maybe we can it's open the holes up a little bit more. And if you, can protect your, if you can protect your quarterback a little bit longer, then you don't have to automatically dump it down to McCaffrey every play because everything's breaking down you know what i'm saying i feel yeah. like that if you can get a solid line that'll take a little bit of pressure off of him as well just because but you can get a solid line without, that ball without, down but you can get a solid line without first and second round picks yeah. like i mean rod's wearing yeah. the jersey the great wall of dallas was built with like cast-offs and like you know rejects from other teams now they had first round picks on it eric allen was on that, that, that was, uh, and, but, you know what i mean but they, they like had, the oh, 80s, bro. 90s like what are you talking about the last the the best offensive line of dallas cowboys just had when they were the best in the league they had first round picks all through that thing man. but that took them all years to build that though like maybe three with Tyron Smith, and then they had yeah, what, Smith. What's my boy? Smith. with Latrell Collins. They looked up because my man. Had yeah, Collins wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, Collins wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. Um, and who else? The center, uh, Zach Martin. Yeah, he yeah. was first round pick too. Yeah. So I mean, but that but Dallas was horrible. They were horrible. Yeah. I mean, you could build an offensive line with you really. To me, it's always been you need a, you need a really good offensive line coach. That it, that way, it don't really matter if you get them in the first round, fifth round, or free agency. If you got a guy that can coach these guys up, and the Panthers haven't had a good offensive line coach since uh, Matsko, um, that was here, I think with Rivera uh, during the stretch when they were winning division titles and went to the Super Bowl, he was the offensive line coach. But also to Jalen's point, that line had Jordan Gross at left tackle, who was a first round pick. Okay. So and That's was there saying, for decades. Fellas, you gotta so, I mean, have an anchor, second and third and fourth. Yeah, they had dudes. I mean, but they you had have guys to have a first line. round anchor, bro. Like, if it, if you, Evan you, you Hill, look at the final Hill's look there. at the final four teams except for Cincinnati everybody's got a first the final four teams except for Cincinnati everybody had a first round pick anchor 
Yeah, I mean, hey, San Francisco's known for their offensive defensive line. They pretty much built those right before Harbaugh. The only reason there. they got their anchors because Buddy, because uh, Washington screwed it up so bad. Yeah, so I mean, I I don't know. I'm just looking at like if if if, if again if Evan Neal, the the left tackle from Alabama, that's like six and eight, three forty or whatever, he, that massive dude. If he's sitting there at six, so he probably won't be. He's gonna probably go on before no six. Way. If he's there at six, Carolina cannot afford to not take him but if he's not there i honestly i think they should trade down i think they need to trade down into the bottom because there's not a quarterback where you're just like "Ooh, we got to get him but if they're like at pick 20 or something like that and willis is still sitting there they've picked up a second and they can go get another offensive lineman with that 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 makes sense to me go do that we but pass on lamar jackson they, yeah, see, they passed on Lamar. I mean, we we seen this year after year after year, man. The quarter, the quarterback, the NFL is built around the quarterback position. The black quarterback will be looked over. Happens every time. You don't go get a Heisman Trophy winning uh, winner in Lamar Jackson. Come on, man. Yeah, the Panthers not going. Panthers not going to get this kid. I don't think they will. Not gonna I think do they it. should. I yeah. don't think they will either. I, I don't think they will. That's where I'm that at. Smart. I don't They're think they will. Smart. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, that's where I am too. I don't. <laughs> I don't think they will. I I'll think they should, but I don't think they will. <laughs> we got to go. Shout out to Hot Rod Thunderbird, Jalen Gilkey, Brandon uh, Blakeney, Hour One Complete. When we come back, uh, Guru David Glenn joins the rundown to talk ACC big hoops uh, action. Wake Forest out here slapping people around, oh. beating people by 15, 20 points. Uh, out of wins. nowhere. They've been doing I love their coach. Here. I love 20 dub clubs. Man, Steve Forbes is doing his thing. We're gonna talk ACC hoops. Is Duke in trouble? Is Carolina in trouble? They run at Carolina running a six and a half man rotation right now, pretty much. Got some news this week about Dawson Garcia. We'll chop Doobie up Doobie. all that and more. You listen to the rundown right here on WWBG 1470 AM and tobacco road Listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. We love sports. Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer ever lived. Not only do we love sports, but we love to debate sports. He was bad in Cat Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that's you? The new boy. Mike Tyson looked like a bulldog. He bad in him too. He done whipped Mike Tyson there. He whipped all that. For the best sports analysis in the triad. What about Rocky Marciano? In-depth local coverage of your favorite schools and teams. Let me tell you something wonderful. Rocky Marciano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't and of course, the best sports debate in the triad. It's Joe Lewis's ass. Welcome to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought. You're welcome. I don't know how old he was. The wait is over. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. Open seven days a week starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonia's catering specials. Open now. Simply Sonia's Southern cuisine and cocktails. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem. You are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Your home for triad sports. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. 
Welcome back into the rundown here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. You can listen to us every Saturday morning on WWBG 1470 AM in the triad, as well as online on your phone, your computer, your tablet or whatnot. Continuing on with our Dr. Dre beats uh, coming back in from Bricks this this Saturday morning due to the fact that Dr. Dre, Snoop, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, excuse me, Kendrick Lamar will all be doing this halftime show during the Super Bowl. Uh, this upcoming Sunday, it feels like more people are talking about the halftime show than the actual game. But the gentleman I have on with me right now, the pleasure of having him on, friend of the program, friend of the station. He's the founding editor of ACCSports.com and the ACC Sports Journal, award-winning author, broadcaster, editor, publisher, writer, uh, cook. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm throwing them all yeah. BG. <laughs> David Glenn's hey, joining us. <laughs> it's, it's great to be with you. I'm glad my wife didn't hear you say the cook part because uh, <laughs> whereas I may have a varied skill set on the media side of things, uh, I am not all that good in the kitchen unless it's maybe breakfast or grilling a steak. That's yeah. about the extent of it. It's all trial and error. Trial and error. Amen. I mean, my- my college roommates hate it because they think I'm a horrible cook from college, but I'm like, I've had 20 years to kind of figure it out since then. I'm a little bit better. So <laughs> it's so, all about the learning curve, man. Exactly. They were my guinea pigs. They were my guinea pigs. <laughs> so, uh, so I wanted to bring you on because we kind of Carolina versus Duke kind of signifies to me like the midway point of the ACC season, even though mathematically it really isn't. But to me, it kind of shows, okay, this was the first half. Now we're getting to the second half and the, the real rat race begins. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about ACC big four hoops because there's storylines with all four of uh, these, these ACC schools that dot tobacco road that we cover. Let's start off with NC state uh, DG, the, the Wolfpack are struggling. They're in a loss season three and 11 dead last in the ACC standings right now going into this weekend. Should head coach Kevin Keats be on the hot seat in your mind? Well, it depends. And the fun part of our conversation Des, is that in a 15 team league, And you and I have known each other long enough to know there are years where the ACC gets nine of their 15 teams into the NCAA tournament. This is definitely not one of those years. On the upside, Duke and Wake and Carolina are pretty well positioned to make a run at the big dance, obviously, to varying degrees. But the Wolfpack among the big four would be the exception to that. And the reason I say it depends on Kevin Keats is that when you've been around this long, right, he's not a first-year coach, he's not a second-year coach, he's not a third-year coach, this is year five for Kevin Keats, and his only NCAA tournament bid was his first season. And we've already seen a fourth-year coach, Chris Mack of Louisville, fired at Mm midseason. The reason it's it depends in Kevin Keats's case is that I think if you're Boo Corrigan, the Wolfpack athletic director, who, remember, is not the same AD who hired Kevin Keats away from UNC Wilmington. I think you want to know, is Darion Sebron, who is one of the better players in this league as a sophomore, is he planning to return to the Wolfpack for his junior year? I think you would want to know if the freshman, Terquavion Smith, who I think is going to join several Duke players on the all-freshman team uh, as a member of the Wolfpack, is he planning to come back for his sophomore year? And some people might roll their eyes and say, well, neither of those guys is ready for the NBA. You know, we long ago passed the point where only guys ready for the NBA turn pro. So imagine if both of those guys were to return, I think you would want some continuity and allow the guy who recruited and cultivated them, Kevin Keats, a shot at a season six. If somehow, some way behind the scenes, those two guys are not coming back and you cannot just 
you know, offer a glass half full optimistic view of next season, that makes it a lot harder to justify retaining Kevin Keats after five years and only one NCAA tournament. And I don't know those answers behind the scenes. It's possible that those young men haven't even made their decisions yet. And that's why uh, there's going to be some tricky conversations here over the next month or so in Raleigh. Moving on up the highway to Chapel Hill, North Carolina received word this week that they would be without forward Daw- uh, Dawson Garcia, who is home in, back home in Minnesota dealing with a family illness. If I'm not mistaken, his grandmother was sick. I think his father has been sick. Um, and he, he's been gone for a couple of weeks now. They finally put it out that he won't be returning uh, back to school this year. How much does that hurt UNC down the stretch? Because I don't know if people remember this or not, but Garcia was actually starting uh, the first half of this year, and Brady Manick was coming off the bench. And now Manick has assumed that starting role. Uh, Garcia had like a concussion or something, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, about three, four weeks ago, and then really just never kind of got back into the rotation, ended up going back home, and uh, all this started to happen. Who would you say on this Carolina team who clearly the number one issue that uh, head coach Hubert Davis is having right now is depth uh, when it comes to trying to find the right combination of guys that he can squeeze minutes out of? Who would you say is the one player that needs to step up going forward outside of the current starting five? Well, it's going to have to be a combination of guys like a Kerwin Walton, for example, who has shown during his career he can be an outstanding three-point shooter but has struggled along those lines at times. I'm not sure where the next guy is going to come from. Uh, could it be one of the freshmen like a Dontrez Styles? Could it be a Puff Johnson? Could it be somebody else? I, I'm sure Justin McCoy will get some minutes, although I'm not sure he's going to be the answer. But you're putting your finger in the right place. I mean, on the one hand, if Hubert Davis was going to lose a player, it couldn't be Armando Baycott, who's going to be first-team All-ACC, It couldn't be R.J. Davis or Caleb Love, who, despite their flaws uh, on good nights, can form a pretty solid backcourt. It can't be Brady Manick, who plays the same position or at least similar positions to Dawson Garcia. So it can't even really be Leaky Black, who, when he sticks to being a a defensive specialist and an occasional, you know, wide open three point shooter, he can be a very valuable role player for the Tar Heels. It's that depth issue where they're really going to feel the loss of Dar- Dawson Garcia, especially given his status, you know, as a six foot 11, 230 some pound guy that can help the heels on the boards where they're not as good as they were back in the days when they would play two big postmen all the time. Uh, and, and where just in terms of sheer numbers, remember, they're without Anthony Harris and Dawson Garcia. Those are two of their original top eight. So Hubert Davis, who has relied a lot on his starting five, I don't think is going to change that. He just has to hope that Kerwin Walton and some combination of those other guys answers the bell because all of these teams are running out of time to become the best version of themselves with the ACC tournament only a month away. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that um, watching that North Carolina Clemson game earlier in the week, that Dontre Styles actually got a lot of playing time in the first half and actually played pretty well. Um, had some rebounds, got some outlets, uh, helped space the floor. And I started thinking, well, that's another body Hubert can use. I always assumed that he just wasn't ready, and that's why Hubert wasn't putting him in uh, ahead of the upperclassmen he had that you just mentioned there. But I think a lot of Carolina fans failed to realize, too, that Anthony Harris was the backup point guard. Like, there is no point guard <laughs> other than uh, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. And honestly, they're more shooting guards than point guards being forced to play uh, point guard. So that's kind of the the issue that Hubert's having with this lineup. But although I do see 
some bright spots where it looks like Hubert is willing to experiment and try things like pulling out that one, two, one zone or yeah, the one, two, two zone that they had against Duke in the second half. Roy Williams had probably exploded when he mm. put that out, but it worked for at least a couple of possessions. They were able to kind of, you know, uh, plug the dam for a bit before it just exploded on them again. Um, the biggest surprise, David Glenn with us here, follow him on Twitter at David Glenn show. The biggest surprise of the season for me and maybe everyone uh, in the ACC has been Wake Forest. Uh, only a half a game out of first place heading into this weekend behind Duke and Notre Dame. It's the most win since the 2009-10 season, and they still have six, seven, you know, eight games to go uh, to add on top of this, sitting at, I believe they're at 20-5 and five on the season right now. Explain how head coach Steve Forbes has turned around this Demon Deacons program so quickly. Well, I think you have to go right to the reality that if you're 70-some years old, until the last few years, there would have been no way under existing NCAA rules for Wake Forest basketball to have had a good season this year. They were horrible last year in Steve Forbes's first season, and they would have been doomed to the bottom half of the ACC again in year two, unless there was a rules change. And to Steve Forbes' credit and his staff's credit, they not only have added immediately eligible major college transfers, remember for decades, most transfers would have had to sit out a year at their new school before being eligible at their new school. That rule's gone. And Alondis Williams, Oklahoma transfer, is not only a good player, in my opinion, he's up there next to Paolo Banquero of Duke as an ACC Player of the Year candidate. He is that good. Yeah. And oh, by the way, a guy named Jake LaRavia, who was all-conference at Indiana State. He's not some sleeper who came out of nowhere, but he is also an immediately eligible major college transfer who, like Alondis Williams, would have had to sit out under the NCAA rules in place for decades. Steve Forbes realized that the major college transfer route is now somewhere you have to lean just as for decades, everybody recruits high school prospects, obviously. Some recruit junior college prospects. But this is the third faucet. And unlike most high school products, you know, with some exceptions, you got to kind of wait for them to be ready. A lot of these better major college transfers, they're not only physically ready, they're juniors and seniors in many cases. And they were pretty good at their previous schools. And we're at the point, Des, where in some years, half the best players in this league, if you and I sat down and you know picked our 15-man All-ACC team, we're at the point where eight or nine or sometimes 10 of those 15 guys <laughs> are major college transfers. So you'd be crazy not to look at that route, especially if you need a quick fix for your program. But I'll, let me, I'll quickly add this. He's not the only guy who's tried to do it with transfers. Right. Chris Mack tried to do it with transfers at Louisville and got fired. Boston College has tried to do it with transfers, and they're near the bottom of the ACC standings. So it's one thing to say, yeah, we're going to do major college transfers. It's another thing to pick them correctly, and you better have an eye for talent and an eye for character and an eye for who fits your system well. And he's done that with basically, I would argue, four or five of his top players starting with Alondis Williams and continuing with Jake LaRavia, especially those two guys are two of the 10 best players in the ACC, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. I got a chance to, I've seen Wake now, I think three or four different times now. And uh, although it doesn't really spell it out, like when you look at draft boards, I feel like Jake LaRavia has an NBA game. Like he literally, 
I could see him as a 10 year NBA player contributing off of somebody's bench. You know what I mean? Like he just seems like he's built that way. Alondis Williams, I'm com- I'm trying to figure out how Steve Forbes knew this was going to happen. Cause I think yeah. he was only averaging like six points a game or something in Oklahoma. So it's like, how did you, what, what was it that you saw in this kid that made you believe he could be this way? And uh, it's just a good mix of that. And the, the, you know, like Williamson, the kid he brought over uh, the local Winston Salem product is playing well now too. And uh, I'll tell you, man, you, I know, you know, but Winston Salem, it just hits different whenever Wake Forest is actually good. Like the city is just a buzz. It's been fun, man. I mean, Steve Forbes, coach of the year candidate, Alondis Williams, player of the year candidate, Jake LaRavia, first team, all ACC candidate. And to your point about Alondis Williams, for those who don't know, you know, note one of Notre Dame's best players is Paul Atkinson. Okay. He's a transfer from the Ivy League. Well, guess what? He was one of the best players in the Ivy League. Hmm. So I know that's a lower league, but it's not like it was a huge leap of faith that he could be an all ACC player for the Fighting Irish. Keve Aluma of Virginia Tech is going to be an all ACC player again. Well, guess what? Mike Young coached Keve Aluma at Wofford before he took over the Hokies job. So it's not like that was a leap of faith. It was his own player at another school, right? Kind of like uh, Davian Williamson was Steve's Forbes player at East Tennessee State. There's less of a leap of faith there. I mentioned with LaRavia, he was all-conference at Indiana State in a pretty good league. Alondis Williams was a part-time starter for Oklahoma. In two years, I don't think he started at most half the games. Mm. So you really need a heck of a crystal ball and you really need, you know, some some high level analytics to be able to project him. It's one thing to believe he'd be a good ACC player. You know, our, our buddy Brian Geisinger from ACCSports.com saw Alondis Williams as making the transition to the ACC. It's a totally different thing to project him as a, you know, a potential player of the year. Yeah. And he's been that good and that clutch for the surprise team in the ACC. I think Wake was picked like 13th or something like that in the preseason poll. So for them to be half a game out of first uh, on February, Saturday, February the 12th, 2022, is pretty amazing. Um, Let's uh, talk about the the group at the top of the standings right now. Duke, they're they're ranked seventh in the country. Um, They're the only ACC team that's currently ranked in the top 25. Yet they they feel kind of flawed to a certain degree for me. Their, their four losses are by a combined nine points. Um, should that be looked at as a point of concern? They kind of remind me, you know what? They kind of remind me of that Marvin Bagley team from like five plus years ago where they had a, a whole lot of talent, but you didn't go into the game like scared of getting blown out. Like the, the last Duke team I could think of that was like that for me was the 2019 team with Zion and RJ Barrett. Like they just had an overabundance of talent and you caught yourself kind of like mouth open watching them play sometimes. This team doesn't strike me like that. They have the talent. They, they're definitely a top 10 team in the country, but they don't feel like I should be worried about them. I say this as my Tar Heels just got the brakes blown off of them <laughs> last week by the same Duke team. But what are your thoughts on this Duke team? And what do you think the ceiling is for them? I think I agree with your assessment overall, because I agree that they are not as dominant as some of Coach K's uh, most amazing teams. However, if we made a list of the best teams in the country right now, that list would include both Gonzaga and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And the Blue Devils beat both of them head to head. And I know that was a much different version of Kentucky way back in early November, but still, those are two marquee wins, as good as any team in the entire country. 
So that kind of gives a little bit of a peek at what the Blue Devils ceiling is, meaning the ceiling is as high as anybody else's ceiling. Now, I, I'm not one of those who believes the Blue Devils ceiling is even higher than Gonzaga and Kentucky and Baylor and Auburn and that other group up there. I, I think there's a whole bunch, six to eight. that are capable of the Final Four or the National Championship. The good news for the Blue Devils, I think, beyond that is all of their losses have been close. It was a nail-biter at Ohio State. It was one bucket against Miami, one bucket against UVA, one bucket in overtime against Florida State. So they've been there literally in every game. What I think is going to be their key moving forward and and where maybe they can get closer to those other more dominant Duke teams that you were describing there, I've always been a believer that freshmen, more than anybody else, change the most from November and December to March and April, or at least they have the ability to change the most. If you have a junior, well, he is what he is for the most part, you know, by November and December of his junior year. Uh, There are rare exceptions to that, but you kind of know what you have. If Trevor Keels keeps getting better, if A.J. Griffin, who was a non-factor after his early season ankle injury and now is absolutely going to be on the all-freshman team along with Bancaro and Keels, those are three of the five best freshmen in the Atlantic Coast Conference, but they're freshmen. So you need those three and others to keep getting better the way Jeremy Roach has gotten better. He's not a great player, but he's not nearly as error prone as he was earlier this season as a returning point guard. Everybody needs to get better. And when most of your best players outside of Wendell Moore, obviously, everybody else is either a freshman or sophomore among the best Blue Devils. And with, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time pushing the buttons, my guess is that the Blue Devils have a good chance of being an even better version of themselves come the ACC tournament and NCAA tournament next month. And then real quick before I get you out of here, David Glenn joining us here on the rundown. Of course, there's a little game going to be played in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles uh, yeah. on Sunday, uh, Super Bowl between the Los Angeles Rams who are hosting. We never had a team host a Super Bowl until last year when Tampa did it. Now yeah. we've had it two years in a row. Uh, the Rams taking on this upstart Cincinnati Bengals team with uh, quarterback Joe Cool, Joe Burrow. Uh, give me a pick. Who are you, who are you leaning towards? Yeah. Rams, Bengals. My short answer is, if I have money at the betting window in Las Vegas, I'm taking the Rams in large part because of Aaron Donald on defense and Matthew Stafford finally finding a coach and a team uh, that can let him showcase his stuff. If I were voting with my heart, though, Des, I would pick the Bengals in part because four years ago this month, I was in Minneapolis as my hometown Philadelphia Eagles won what was their first Super Bowl. And experiencing that with my son and some of my childhood friends who also flew out there from the Philly area uh, and and seeing how my extended family and friends and so much of that part of the country reacted after the Eagles finally getting their first Super Bowl. It, it was one of the most unforgettable moments of my entire career following sports. And that was more as a fan than as a media member. So I kind of wish that for Bengals Nation uh, the way I saw that for, for uh, Fly Eagles Fly four years ago. I'm kind of I'm I'm going to save my pick for the very end of the show here in about 20 30 minutes but I am kind of leaning a certain way. I think Joe Burrow has convinced me hmm. that he's just the real deal. I kept he's, waiting for it to just be fun, like, man. you know, he's fun. And it was all these excuses, oh he had all these players at LSU, he had all the, the coaching and blah 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 and it's just like he they've run out of excuses to explain what he's doing. It's incredible what he's done. 
in just a year and a half, really, of playing in the NFL, um, the AFC is loaded with young quarterbacks going forward. It's going to be exciting trying to watch these guys fight to get to the Super Bowl every year. Um, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. Um, there you have it. There's a ACC hoops roundup here. Lots of games going on this weekend that we'll get you ready for. And, uh, of course, the big game, Super Bowl 56, taking place uh, 630 on Sunday. David Glenn, you can find him on Twitter at David Glenn Show. Dave, appreciate having you on, brother. Always fun, my friend. Keep up the good work. Coming up, more from the rundown. Next, you're listening to the rundown with Desmond Johnson on WWBG 1470 AM and com. You're listening to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full service auto repair. All tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Looking to change things up a little? Visit Salon Resi. Located at 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy, Salon Resi is the newest high-end full-service salon and spa in the triad. Salon Resi Spa includes massages and skin care. Get a full highlight treatment, shampoo and style, color and retouch, and much, much more. Salon Resi, where passion and creativity meet. 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the rundown live here on WWBG 1470 AM here in the triad, of course, online on your hip tablet, computer, laptop device on tobaccoroadsportsradio.com. You can participate in the show. If you go to the Facebook watch uh, video portion of this, you can type in your comment or question there. The panel will do their best to answer that for you, or you can do it on the YouTube channel uh, for Sports Carolina Monthly. Still in uh, the middle of Dre Day celebrating the fact that Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and others are going to be doing the Pepsi halftime show during the Super Bowl this upcoming Sunday. Uh, So as I mentioned, as we've done throughout the entire show, every bump coming back in from break has been a Dr. Dre-themed bump. Uh, Appreciate having you guys with us this morning. Loaded panel here, closing out the show here over the next two segments. we got some Hornets news. we got some Panthers news. So I had to bring in the Charlotte crew to discuss this. Uh, host of Frankly Speaking Sports, Larry Frank. You can catch him on Tobacco Road Sports Radio every morning, Tuesday through Thursday at 11 a.m. So definitely check him out. Great, great show. He's got national guests and things on there. So definitely listen for him. Uh, the Believe in Hornets podcast host, Sam Dracula, joining us here. The beat writer for Sports Illustrated's uh, Panthers beat and Charlotte Hornets beat, Skylar Callahan in the house. And from Cat Scratch, or excuse me, from Cat Crave Blog and Swarm and Sting, Jason Huber in the house. So I've got Literally all bases covered when it comes to Hornets and Panthers uh, here going forward. So I wanted to start off, guys, with uh, Charlotte finally making a move uh, right before the trade deadline and landing a uh, 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 guy that's from the state of North Carolina, Montrez Harrell. Uh, the Hornets acquired Fort Montrez Harrell to trade with the Washington Wizards in exchange for Vernon Carey and Ish Smith. Uh, Mitch Kupchak had been looking to add a center who could score and defend for a while 
Harrell's a bit undersized at six foot seven, but he has a seven foot four wingspan, and he's expected to play both power forward and center. Um, thoughts on this trade? Let's start off. Let's start off with you, Larry. Uh, thoughts on this trade? When you first heard it went down, do you think who do you think uh, won this trade, the Wizards or the Hornets? And do you think that the Hornets improved by adding on uh, Montrez to this roster? Yeah, uh, you know, I've been talking about it all week since this losing streak that finally ended last night with Harold playing and doing very effective, scoring 15 points. We needed an inside presence. We were not shooting from the outside. And when you're not shooting from the outside, you better have an inside game. Well, we didn't. All we had was Plumlee, and no disrespect to Plumlee. He's done a decent job, but he's more of a defender than he is a scorer. And now you add Harold to us. Was 15.7 of nine yesterday, Desmond. And this is a guy when he shoots the ball, even before he got to us, he hits over 60% of his field goals. And if you look at the, you know, yes, it was the Pistons last night. Let's not get overly excited about it. I don't care about that. Yo, yo, wins win. win. And when I look at that, (laughs) right, exactly. You got to beat every team. But they had over 50 rebounds yesterday night in that game and when you look at it everybody came to play and they needed a spark that was the key thing we knew this team mellow goes off the shooting comes back now you have an inside game so they can't just defend you on the outside it helps all around and i think harold definitely is a plus for the hornets sam we we've uh, been on each other's shows the past really half a year kind of discussing what to do with these young big men that uh that Kupchak had kept drafting in. And one of the names that kept popping up was Vernon Carey. And I think maybe me and you had both thought that they were going to stick with Carey for a while. They kind of invested in him. But here again, another second-round pick that Mitch Kupchak had drafted that he's flipped into something better. What were your thoughts when you first heard about this trade? And uh, do you think the Hornets got the better end of this? Oh, yeah, the Hornets definitely got the better end of it. Um, if you're a Wizards fan somehow watching and listening to this, you're getting a, 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 a guy in Vernon Carey that has a lot of untapped potential. He, I just, I don't, I like Vernon. I don't think he ever had a pathway to the rotation. I look at him as a four in this league. He doesn't have the athleticism that Harold does, so I don't view him as a, like a capable small ball five, right? Yeah. And when you look at the power forwards the Hornets have between Miles, PJ, uh, Jalen McDaniels, they drafted Kai Jones, Nick Richards. He's, I know he's a seven footer, but he like lapped him in the rotation. Um, so I, I, I never saw a pathway for Vernon to make it here in Charlotte. So I'm glad he's getting an opportunity in Washington. Hopefully he gets an opportunity in Washington. And for Harold coming back, ish, well, ish leaving town, uh, opens up the space for book night, which is, I think, something we all wanted to see. Mm-hmm. That three-guard rotation now includes uh, book night, LaMelo, and Terry. That's pretty good, obviously. And um, <laughs> with Harold in town, like Larry mentioned, it opens up things for everybody. PJ, I think, is going to thrive with Harold in Charlotte. PJ no longer has to do the dirty work. He can become the shooter we all seen sparks of since he's been drafted. I, I, I've envisioned a, um, an improved shooting performance on a regular basis from PJ now that Harold's in town. Skyler, you, you're the beat writer for the Hornets for Sports Illustrated. So you're, I mean, you're literally following them uh, on a daily basis. How much better did the Hornets roster get by adding Harold? And are your expectations higher for the Hornets this year when it comes to the playoffs. I know they just went through a five-game losing streak, but the East is so compacted that literally you could go on a five-game winning streak and be in fourth place all of a sudden. Uh, What do you think this does for the Hornets, considering they just dropped 
141-point bucket on Detroit last night, 141 to 119, to get out of that losing streak. Have you, oh, no? Oh, your mic's muted. I'm sorry. There we go. There it is. <laughs> right, yeah, they, they 100% got better. And as Sam said, they won the trade hands down. You give up a, a really a developmental guy in Vernon Carey and a veteran guard that really wasn't getting a whole lot of minutes. I mean, there were some games where really Ish would go maybe a week without playing. So you give those two guys up for a guy like Montrez Harrell who can come in and give you quality minutes off the bench inside. It it, it really helps this team. It, they got something that they, they have been lacking in an inside presence. Uh, they they didn't have that toughness before. Miles had that, but they didn't really have that scrappy, you know, aggressive just guy that, that you kind of fear almost. Miles, I, I get Miles Bridges has kind of got that in him, but Montrez Harrell's just on a different level. And I think you saw that last night that it just kind of trickled throughout the team. I don't know if it makes them scarier to get to the playoffs or if it gives them a better chance uh, because, I mean, he he's a guy's probably going to play 20, 25 minutes a night maybe. Um, but what I think this does is it allows the Horns to kind of keep their head above water while Gordon Hayward is out. Because from what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, it looks like we may not see Gordon until after the All-Star break. And if that's the case, I mean, we've seen this team, they, they're now 12 and 25 without Gordon Hayward. So I think the, the biggest thing that, that James Borrego, Mitch Kupchak, what they wanted to do is they wanted to have another guy, another guy that brings energy that is a veteran that knows how to play the game, how to play winning basketball and make the right decisions. Gordon Hayward brought that when he was off the floor, you saw a lot of that go away because there's so much youth and inexperience out there. Now that you got Montrez Harrell into the mix, I think it kind of keeps him above water for right now. And uh, Jason, now that they've gotten past this, this trade deadline, they can focus on, well, they've still got the all-star break coming up here in a week or so, a week or two. um, And then they can focus on the second half of the season. Who do you think is the top priority uh, for this team once the season is done? I feel like it's Miles Bridges uh, that I think he's proven his worth uh, to the franchise, and I think they'd be foolish to even let him entertain the free agent market. Do you feel like the Hornets are at a place now where they need to start looking at this young core and start locking guys up, or do we still need to kind of see what's going on with – they still have a lot of young talent that's going back and forth from the swarm uh, on assignment back up to the Hornets, guys like Kai Jones – uh, that are uh, super young, 19, you know, there's JT Thor, kids like that. What do you think they should be doing here? Should they be trying to lock up guys like Miles Bridges or should they continue the path they're on and just keep cycling in these young, uh, hungry, athletic wings, basically, that they've been picking up pretty much annually since Cupchat got here? Yeah, uh, I mean, they're going to eventually have to start locking up some of these guys. And I do think Miles Bridges is going to be, I think he should be a big priority for them. You can't just let a guy like that who's, in the running right now for most improved player of the year with, you know, arguably had a case to be an all-star is averaging on 20 points. You can't let him walk. The good news is that he is a restricted free agent. So if he does sign an offer sheet somewhere, they'll have the choice whether they want to spend that money on him or not. I can't envision them just letting him walk. I think one of the reasons they didn't give him an extension last summer, if I had to guess, it was probably on just with his agent, uh, Rich Paul is probably on Bridges side more that, hey, prove yourself and see if you can get more money. And I think he's done that now. Um, So I definitely think he's going to be a priority. You can't just let him walk. Yes, Kai Jones 
uh, some of these younger guys do have potential, but you've got rights on them right now. You can't really rely on that. When you have the core of Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball right now is just too good to just see, hey, let's just let, you know, let him walk and see what else we can develop. P.J. Washington, that's, uh, I mean, you've probably got another year to see he's still a tradable asset this summer. A big man is going to be the, the key again this summer. I mean, that's going to be the biggest thing is, is finding a center, a defensive center. Montrez Harrell, he's, you know, he brings that veteran experience. It's possible they try to re-sign him this summer. We'll see. But he doesn't, he's not that defensive game changer. He's He's been good on defense. He was, helped Washington's defense this year. But there's still, the center is still the biggest priority this summer. But I think Miles Bridges is going to be the biggest free agent that they have to lock up. I wanted to jump outside of Charlotte, and we open up the roundtable here for this. Of course, the biggest trade of the of the trade deadline was uh, the trade between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, apparently James Harden woke up that morning, chose violence, decided he wanted to go ahead and get up out of Brooklyn, and made it happen. Like I, I don't know <laughs> like how he was able to pull this off, but the dude has been on two different teams in like a calendar month or something like that. It's been crazy, and he's kind of forced himself out of both situations. If you had to choose, which one was the correct pick to trade? Was it was it James Harden or was it Kyrie Irving? Because I'm sitting there thinking, I would much rather have Harden and Durant than half of Irving and Durant. But then again, Brooklyn ended up getting the 76ers to come up off of a lot to, to just to get James Harden. Um, who... Who won that trade, in your opinion? Uh, Larry, starting off with you real quick. The 76ers or or the Nets? And who do you expect to go further this year in the playoffs after that trade has occurred? Well, the Nets needed something because they weren't doing anything right now. But when you look at this trade, a lot of people are, are saying, well, you know, the Nets won this trade. The Nets won this trade. Um, you know, that is possible. But what you got to remember from the 76ers side of thing is, they traded a guy who wasn't playing. You can look at Ben Simmons versus James Harden and say, okay, Simmons is has more to give. He's younger. He's uh, performing better. But if you're on the bench, you ain't performing. If you're not playing, you ain't performing. So basically, did they give up Simmons or did they just give up someone who wasn't playing on that team helping them at all? But when you look at this, you know, Harden, you got to admit, has lost a little bit over the years. Still is a performer, but he isn't the same James Harden he was a couple of years ago. When you look at Ben Simmons, if Ben Simmons is going to play and can get over whatever is facing him not to play with the Nets, he adds a lot to the Nets. But I think the guy that I like in this trade is Seth Curry. That's the I mean, name that keeps popping up is Seth yeah. Curry. Every time I ask somebody this, they're like, you know what? Them getting Steph Curry is actually pretty, pretty sweet. <laughs> well, and you think about it, it's a guy that's not being talked a lot uh, about, but is going to be mentioned a lot in, uh, you know, once he starts performing here in Jersey, they're going to love him. They are going to love him, and they needed that. Right now, this team needs a swap. They are so – the Nets are underachieving so much. But if you ask me, it's really close because the reason why is Simmons wasn't playing. If Simmons was playing for the 76ers and they traded him for Harden, I would say that the team that got Simmons, which is, of course, the 76ers won this. But because he wasn't playing, I have to give the advantage to the Nets here. 
Sam, your thoughts real quick. Yeah. Uh, Nets or 76ers? Who, let me actually, let me shorten the question. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is going to go further uh, in the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs and beyond this year because of this trade, the Nets or the 76ers? Further, oh, uh, man. I'll, I'm going to say the Nets because I'm going to assume Simmons gets ready mentally and he's on the floor. I think that team with Durant fully healthy and Seth Curry, like you mentioned, can do a lot of damage. It's going to be really interesting where they place in the Eastern Conference because of where they're going in the standings. Hopefully, I'm have my fingers crossed to the basketball gods that we get the Sixers and the Nets in the first round. That would be amazing. Excellent yeah. TV. Kevin Durant. We saw what happened in the All-Star draft. Like, give me that for seven games. Like, that would be so much fun. Um, that All-Star draft was hilarious. It was the best uh, thing. It was so good. LeBron so, so, and KD. So good, so good. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I like the Nets. The, the, the Sixers got the best player in the deal in Harden. But I think long-term, Nets won the trade. Skyler? Who do you think one? Well, who do you think is going to go further because of this trade? Seventy Sixers or the uh, Brooklyn Nets? I want to say the Sixers just because I think they were already the better team, and I don't know how much better Ben Simmons is going to make them. Like the other two guys have said, I mean, who knows when he's going to be able to play? How good he's going to be play? Be able to play when he does come in? And I don't know. I just like the Sixers how they're built already. I mean, everyone talks about Joe Embiid now, James Harden. But I like guys like Mighty Stabule and Tyrese Maxey, like those guys that don't get the attention, but they are literally a huge part of what they're doing. Like they, they, they are one of the biggest reasons why they are as good as they are. Um, I, I really think Philly could have a very good chance to, to win the whole thing this year. I really do. I think yeah. if James Harden comes in and I guess kind of gets back to his form and doesn't kind of dominate the ball and still lets Joel do his thing – I think they could go very far. I, I worry a little bit about how ball dominant he might end up being, but that's just going to have to to kind of be a give and take, and he's going to have to realize for them to win games, he's got to get the ball to Embiid. And then I saved the most important question uh, for last for Jason uh, Huber here. Is James Harden traveling when he's doing that thing with the, the three-step <laughs> thing, the little hop thing he does or whatever? Like, is that a travel? Because to me, that is a travel. That is a travel, is it not? I mean, it's, it's oh, a it travel. Is. It is. Okay, I just want to be sure because I see people people post these videos all the time online, and they're like, "Is this a travel?" And there was one. James Harden literally takes like four steps, like four. <laughs> like he he puts the ball out. He's coming down the lane, and like he takes a step as he's grabbing the ball, and then he takes another three steps to get to the hoop and lays it in, and the ref doesn't call it, and like the other team is just standing there like. What just happened? Like, why did you not call this? Or that thing he does where he like he'll dribble, 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 dribble. He'll like step back, step back, shoot. That is a travel, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that a travel? I just want someone to agree with me because when I see it, it, it makes me so angry when I'm like, did this dude just find a glitch in the matrix? And like the refs don't know what to do when they see it. So they're just like, ah, uh, and like they just don't call it. Or is it actually not a travel? Because he's I feel like he's built his career on this and now it's a travel and it's exactly what you just said he's built okay okay okay. (laughs) he's a superstar and the refs are you know they don't want to go against it they let him do what he's got to do do you guys view james harden differently because he's bounced from so many teams and really and this was a question i posed to the hour one crew i feel like this generation of like top 10 nba players have become so accustomed to moving to a better situation when it's not working out for them, as opposed to staying there and trying to make it work, which is the generation I came like the nineties, early two thousands, where 
stars didn't move until it was like the end of their career or the latter part of their career. And then they might link up with another older player or something and try to do something, but it never worked. It usually never worked. I think the Houston Rockets picking up Clyde Drexler was probably the last time something like that worked for that generation. But this generation, it's like the, the name, the top 10 players in the NBA and all of them probably, except for Giannis, have played at multiple spots, like trying to find a shortcut, it feels like, to get to an NBA title. And I blame LeBron for this because he kind of opened the door for it. But the other guys, I mean, Kyrie Irvin has been on Cleveland. He's been to Boston, and now he's in Brooklyn. And, like, he destroys the locker room everywhere he goes. <laughs> I feel like yeah. he's not going to last very long in Brooklyn. KD. Oklahoma City to Golden State to now he's in Brooklyn. Who knows how, if he's going to finish career there? Uh, Harden, same way. Like all these top dudes are trying to move around to find a better path for themselves. I feel like it's hurting their legacies in the end. Like we're going to look back on it and go, well, how could he possibly be better than Kobe Bryant? Kobe Bryant played 19 years for the Lakers and won five titles. How could he be better than Michael Jordan? He played 15 years for the Bulls. Like I feel like that's going to affect them in the end and they don't realize it. Does that sound feasible, or am I just being that old man on the, in the front yard yelling, you know, get out of my yard? Am I, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I want to give credit to, like, guys like Giannis. I mean, yeah. he, he could have – And that's my point. Like, I feel like that meant more that he got it there. I mean, yeah, he, he could have forced his way out of Milwaukee, but he, he, st- he stayed there and won a championship in a small market. You saw – your well, you haven't saw it yet, but we're seeing Devin Booker who there was a lot of rumors earlier in his career about him potentially trying to get a trade or potentially being traded by the Suns because he, he was so valuable. And they they just built that thing around him. And all of a sudden, it's like as soon as that bubble, that bubble playing stuff happened, the Suns have just been unreal. Yeah. And I think you got to give credit to him too. But that I think for really to bring this close to home, you've got to wonder what what's going to happen with LaMelo Ball. Because you know when when his contract comes up or it's time to renegotiate, some of these other big time you know markets like L.A., New York, place like that, they may try to get him there. And we all know, I mean, if, if y'all pay attention to Facebook and Twitter, the Lamelo stands. I mean, they want him out of Charlotte already. So, which we'll I don't understand. I don't understand it because like he's taken the mantle from Cam Newton as like the sports celebrity in Charlotte. Oh, yeah. and he's he's saying all the right things, like you know. I like Charlotte. I like the size of it. You know, it's become my town. Like he's saying all the right things. He's hitting all the right uh, high notes or whatnot. Michael Jordan's just got to come off that bag, man. Like he'll, he'll be available for what, like a max here in like two years, three years, I guess. Cause this is really year two. And I, I think what they signed four year deals, five year deals on their first rookie contract. So mm-hmm. he'll be available to do a, a first max deal, which would be, I guess would put him up at like 80, 100 million, something like that over four or five years. And then after that, uh, if he's hit all the the parameters, which he's on track to do, then you could see the first Supermax player in Charlotte. And at that point, he would deserve it. Uh, he'd be like late 20s, probably oh, yeah. at that point. Like yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's, he's such a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are we talking about? Like, if Michael Jordan lets this kid slip away because he didn't want to pay him the money, yeah. like, they will run him out of town. Like, literally, they will finally run Michael Jordan out of town. But I don't think you got to also remember it's going to be up to LaMelo, too. I mean, does he want to stay in Charlotte or go to these bigger cities, like you said, like the L.A. or the New York and get the media attention? But the loyalty in the NBA is gone. It is gone. It's now more like 
Paul Malone and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, where you stay with one team. I almost call it the transfer portal of the NBA because mm. that, that, that's what it's becoming like. Hey, you know, I don't like this. I don't like that. You know, nobody tries to get better anymore. They try to go to a team that is already established. So it feels like, I don't know what it is, but it's like, you know, why don't you stay with them? I'd rather stay with a team and start from scratch and build it up and be part of that buildup then just go to a team that is expected to win and just win. It has no satisfaction to me out of that except that you win. But what did you do to win? Nothing. You stay in a place like Charlotte and LaMelo grows with the team and they win a championship. I think that's so much more satisfying than uh, a LeBron James going to Miami with two other great guys that winning the NBA title. Skyler kind of hit on it there when he was talking about Giannis. Like, I think yeah. it, it, when you think about Giannis now – it's almost like Dirk Nowitzki too, like the, him staying in Dallas and winning one at the end of his career. You put them on a higher pedestal because they stuck it out. And I think that's the number one thing that's never talked about in the LeBron James versus Michael Jordan conversation. Like who's the goat? Michael Jordan was playing with cokeheads for like the first three years of his career in, in Chicago. Let's just be real. Like they were called the traveling bulls cocaine circus. Like he, he came into that. And from there to be able to, <laughs> To be able to build that team and then build it around him to the point where they dominated a decade, that's what cemented his legacy. It wasn't the, just the dunks and the alley-oops and the you know the reverse. The, all that was part of it. But it was the fact that he we saw him fail and then overcome the failures. With LeBron, it was like he couldn't get past a certain spot in Cleveland and decided to take the separate route and team up with his friends. And like to me, it's like, imagine if Michael Jordan, after losing to the Pistons in the 90s, decided to go and play with Magic and the Lakers. Like that, we would think of Michael Jordan differently than we do. And I don't think it's unfair to say the same with LeBron that he basically looks ahead and kudos to him for seeing the change. But I think in the end, it's almost like a T-Pain effect to music. He kind of messed up the whole game <laughs> a little bit by doing what he was doing, popping to Miami, back to Cleveland, now to L.A. And now we're hearing he might even finish in L.A. because he wants to he wants to play with, with uh, his son, Bronny, in the NBA. No one has tapped him on the shoulder and be like, Bronny's not that good. I don't think he's even going to make the NBA. <laughs> you know, but he's that's the dream he has. He feels like someone's going to pick him up and he wants to play with his son. So... I feel like that whole this whole generation from 2003 on that came into the NBA got accustomed to bouncing around. And it's gotten worse the later you go as you get to Harden and, and Durant and Kyrie Irving and uh, a lot of these guys. So a guy like Chris Paul, I don't I don't you know, he's in year, what, 15 or something like that. He's He hasn't never been to the finals. So I understand yeah. that logic of trying to find a way there. And the team he picked, the Phoenix Suns, like you said, they weren't very good until he got there. Like once he got there and got to that bubble, like something just snapped and the the Suns have just become like the most, one of the most dominant teams in the league. And a lot of it's due to him. So I'd put Chris Paul in the MVP category for this season so far as well, the way the Suns have been playing. Um, but I know, it was just a thought. I was just trying to figure out, is it just me or am I seeing this chessboard like this, where these players are just trying to take these shortcuts and it rarely works. It feels like it just rarely works, but well, I would say that there's like a way to do it, right? Like the way Simmons and Harden did it is the wrong way to do it. They quit on their teams. Harden mm -hmm. quit on two franchises now. In like, like 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> 12 months, this dude is just abandoned like teams or whatever. Yeah. But like versus LeBron, 
where you know to take a shorter deal to time it out differently. I, I view that a little differently than the way Harden and Simmons went about it the last you know, year and a half, basically. Um, these guys, they're in situations, you know, if their front office isn't backing you, like those early Cleveland, Cleveland years, like, uh, LeBron and Cav in, uh, in Cleveland the first time around, I'm not sure those teams were the best teams. Like he kind of had to take a uh, situation I mean, in yeah. his own hands. He, he dragged a dude named Booby Gibson to the NBA. Yeah, those teams were pretty. Like, I was just, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> And on that yeah, note, yeah. we're uh, <laughs> we've reached the end of our broadcast. We didn't even get a chance to get to the Panther stuff. Sam Mills got elected to the Hall of Fame finally uh, on the final ballot. Uh, Skylar, I'll leave the last word here with you, uh, the Panthers beat writer for Sports Illustrated. Your thoughts on Sam Mills finally getting into the Hall of Fame? Uh, you know, a key member of the Carolina Panthers. The, the whole keep pounding mantra comes from him. Uh, your thoughts on Sam Mills finally getting in? I mean, it was it was an awesome uh, a whole night for him, really, and his family because, I mean, they've been waiting for this for a long time. This was technically the last year that he could have got in, except for if the, the senior voting came into play down the road. But um, it, it was well, well-deserved, well, long overdue, happy for him. And, he, you know, he may have only spent three years in Carolina, but those three years are, I mean, it felt like a lifetime for a lot of Panthers fans. And he meant so much to this organization – and I like to see the keep pounding stuff kind of keep living on. I think we kind of saw it go away a little bit last year. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, Matt Rule, if you're watching or listening, instill that. Put a banner up at the end of the field or whatever. No like more songs. No more <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to uh, Larry Frank. Check out Frankly Speaking Sports Tuesday through Thursdays, 11 a.m. on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Check out the Believe in Hornets podcast. It's on throughout the week on Tobacco Road as well with Sam Dracula. Skylar Callahan is all over the place. He's with me on the Believe in Panthers podcast. And you can check out his work uh, writing for the Hornets and the Panthers. And you can check out Jason's work on Cat Crave Blog and Swarm and Sting. We are up against it. Shout out to WWBG 1470 AM for having us every Saturday morning live at 10 AM. You'll catch us next week. We'll be back. You've been listening to The Rundown. Peace.